0: On the 1946 episode of the kick to kick podcast, we're still talking about the fallout from the bloodbath. The league bring in some big changes to the game. You know they love to tinker with things. That's right, they do. Uh, Again, there are big changes to the top four. Another superstar of the 30s tries to make a comeback. The doggies kick some big scores and the bombers and demons go back to looking like the teams they were in the early 40s. All that and more after the song.
1: It's the history of football we knows about And we want to expand what we know We'll become such intelligent gentry With every kick-to-kick show Beginning in the time 1870s Right through to the modern day Tune
2: in for Timmy Coops and the
1: Casman
2: To hear what they all have
0: to say Welcome to the Kick to Kick podcast, the Australian rules football history podcast that deep dives into the history of the league. We have no qualifications to bring this show to you other than a thirst for knowledge, a desire to relive the past, and a pretty big bookshelf of books. On my right, I've got Goops. Hello. And I've got the Kaz over there. Hi, everybody. Glad to be part of it. Um, guys, this is the 50th season we have done. Oh, my God. We made it. Well,
2: I know. We deserve a banner. That's we right. certainly do. We've played a lot more games than most football players. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Uh, that's and good. We're halfway through the 100 Years of Football book. Oh yeah! I mean that. I
0: mean we still got twenty-five years plus on top of that. But, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. We're on, we're on track for about you know four or five years time to be up to date. Yeah, can you believe it? Wow! Fifty episodes. Well done, guys. Well, not fifty episodes. We've done it sixty. So yeah, yeah, but like, fifty, 50 seasons. seasons. Yeah,
2: it's impressive. I mean, we've been in the game longer than Jock McHale. Yeah. <laughs> well, we have. <laughs> That's unbelievable. Yep. No one was going to take that record.
0: <laughs> um, hello, listeners in New Zealand, Poland and Colorado. Could that possibly be members of the Denver Bulldogs? Sh- oh. shout, shout out to the Denver Bulldogs if, you are, if you're out there. Go Doggies. Go doggies. Um, now, the other thing to bring up very quickly, a bit of sad news. Mm. Um, our old mate Dick Condon passed
2: away oh, in 1946.
0: Yeah. Oh. So he held on for the 50 years. He did. Yeah, mm. He died in December of 1946.
2: What a colourful time. We haven't heard much from him of recent years. No, he
0: really faded into obscurity, I think, because he moved to Sydney. but you know.
2: And got old. Yeah, that
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Always remembered as one of our, our original favourites. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The battles between him and Ivo. Oh, if, if <laughs> Some of Hall, the best. If
0: he, he had a Hall of Fame, he'd be he'd be number one. Him or Ivo. Yeah, for it, sure. Joint, joint captains of the Hall of Fame. That's right. Um, All right, Charlie, would you like to uh, get us into some history? I certainly would. While we have a listen to uh, Perry Como's hit song from that year, Prisoner of Love.
2: I love it. Okay. Uh, So, um, on the 6th of January, the first general election ever was held in Vietnam. There you go. Uh, uh, on the 10th of January, the first meeting of the United Nations was held.
0: Let's hope they can do a better job than Le- the uh, League of Nations. Yeah, yeah,
2: seriously. <laughs> In Westminster, London. Uh, and on that same day, Project Diana bounced radar waves off the moon, which measured the exact distance between the Earth and the moon and proved that communication was possible between the Earth and outer space, wow. which opened the space age. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. An early start to the space age, yeah. I would say. <laughs> Um, on the 26th of January, Foundation Day was renamed as Australia Day in Australia. So that was that's the beginning of of that. Yes. Mm. Uh, on Valentine's Day, February the 14th, the ENIAC which stands for Electronic Numerical Integrator and Computer, which was an early general-purpose electronic computer was unveiled at the University of Pennsylvania. It weighed 60,000
1: pounds, (laughs) (laughs) over
2: 27 tons, and occupied a very large room.
1: It's a bit like the difference between the iPhone 4 and the iPhone 5. (laughs) (laughs) Very similar. Uh, On the 2nd of March, Ho Chi Minh is elected
2: president of North Vietnam. There's
1: some interesting stuff going on.
2: Yeah, there certainly is. Uh, On the 7th of March, the 18th Academy Awards ceremony was held and Best Picture went to The Lost Weekend. A movie about an alcoholic author, I believe. Cool. Yeah. Uh, on the 15th of March, Clement Attlee, the British Prime Minister, promised independence to India as soon as they could agree on a constitution. Uh, on the 1st of May, in the Pilbara, um, ad- around 800 Indigenous Australian pastoral workers walked off the job, uh, started, starting one of the longest industrial strikes in Australia.
1: Wow. Cool,
2: Right. Uh, On the 7th of May, the Tokyo Telecommunications Engineering Company was founded with about 20 employees. What's it known as today? Telstra. Mm. Sony. Sony, damn Ah. it. I did a kaz and I wasn't listening. (laughs) 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 On the 5th of July, (laughs) my favourite piece of news from from the year, the bikini was first modelled in Paris. Why? (laughs) Uh, Kaz, I believe. No, I'm not <laughs> yeah, sure. That's the man. Kenji, it doesn't say. <laughs> on the 25th of July uh, in Atlantic City, Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis staged their first show as a comedy duo. Oh, classic! On the 25th of August, Ben Hogan won the PGA Championship. Uh, on the S- September the first, in other sporting news the 1946 Turing Grand Prix was held, which is the first official Formula One Grand Prix. Grand Prix. Mm. Uh, it was won by Giuseppe Farina, driving for Alfa Romeo. Wow. Uh, on, Alfa Romeo won I the... Know, I know, right? <laughs> <nice. laughs> on the 28th of September, the Australian federal election was held and uh, Ben Chifley's Labor government was re-elected with a reduced majority. Um... This was the first occasion in Australia's history where a Labor government successfully won two elections in a row at a federal level. (laughs) Uh, And it was also the first election contested by the newly formed Liberal Party, which had replaced the United Australia Party. Um, That was a millionaire the other day. Mm.
3: Oh, was it?
1: Yeah. (laughs) On the
2: 15th of October, um, Herman Goering, the founder of the Gestapo... Uh, poisoned himself two hours before his scheduled execution at the Nuremberg trial. And on the 16th of October, the remaining 10 Nazi war criminals sentenced to death at Nuremberg were executed by hanging. Ah, joy. Mm. So that's kind of the, basically the end of World War II, like, officially. Uh, November the 1st, the first basketball of association Association of America game, the New York Knicks defeated the Toronto Huskies yes. 68 to 66 they at Maple Leaf Gardens. The, uh, the
0: Nick- Knickerbockers back then, though?
2: They mm. probably were, just says the New York Knicks. Uh-huh. Yeah, they would have. So the BAA uh, combined with the NBL to form the NBA mm. in, a, in 48, I believe. Okay. So yeah, this uh, is we'll get, the we'll first BAA game. Yep. Uh, also at the beginning of November, Russia won the Melbourne Cup, yeah. the entire country, which yeah. is phenomenal. <laughs>
1: Good
2: on, them. <laughs> <laughs> on the 19th of December uh, Viet Minh forces begun a war against French occupying forces in Vietnam and on the 20th of December Frank Capra's It's a Wonderful Life featuring Jimmy Stewart, Donna Reed, and Lionel Barrymore was released in New York. The classic. Classic. Haven't seen it. Oh no, haven't you? It's so good. Uh, Merry that's
1: Christmas everyone! Uh, Christmas everybody, it's Christmas! Yeah,
2: it's so good. <laughs> we watch it every Christmas. Okay. And Never seen it unknown but i thought i'd throw this in there just a bit of a stab to the nfl the san fran 49ers were formed (laughs) i mean 46 yeah
0: oh they're a new team yeah
2: late to the party what's going on here uh would you like to hear about some people that were born Oh, In good, 46 good, good to know people were born after the war Some people were born yeah. Actually quite a lot I okay. tried to I tried to slim the list down <laughs> But it was It was busy That baby boom Yeah
0: Actually it would be
4: Yeah you know, we're celebration be there. there Yeah, yeah. absolutely
2: <laughs> uh, The 5th of January Diane Keaton Because these are actually Baby boomers aren't they this, They are the These thing. are the actual boomers Okay, yeah. okay boomers Diane Keaton uh, July ninth, Jan 19th Dolly Parton January 20th David Lynch The director January 29th Ian Molly Meldrum mm-hmm. Uh, February 21st, uh, Alan Rickman, or Hans Gruber, as I like to or call Snape. him. Mm. Or Snape. Severus Snape, yeah. I mean, so great.
0: Yeah, or or uh, the mm. Prince of Nottingham. <laughs> yeah. Sheriff, sorry, Sheriff, Sheriff of, of Nottingham. Nottingham.
1: Oh.
2: That's so great. Uh, 12th of March, Liza Minnelli. Liza with a Z. Uh, on the... Twi- Z. Liza with a Z. Oh, well, that's what she used d- to say. D- d- um, on the 29th of March, Billy Thorpe yeah. and mm. the of the Aztecs. Yes. Uh, on the 13th of April, Al Green... On the 19th of May, Andre the Giant, the French professional wrestler yes. and actor. Actor. Such a great actor. <laughs> Does anybody want a peanut? It's my favourite. <laughs> uh, on the 20th of May, Cher. <laughs> on the 22nd of May, uh, George Best, very famous footballer, mm-hmm. played for Man U, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, on the 14th of June, Donald Trump was born, the current prime uh, president. On the 6th of July, George W. Bush, the 43rd President of the United States, was born. And on that very same day, Sylvester Stallone. Ah, Classic. On the 9th of July, Bon Scott of ACDC. On the 19th of August, Bill Clinton, the 42nd President of the United States. Three presidents in two months. Isn't that unbelievable? On the 1st of September, Kaz, you'll love this one. Yeah. Barry Gibb. <laughs> Good musicians, yeah, great musicians too. On the fifth of September, Freddie Mercury. Wow! On the fourth of October, we had Susan Sarandon, and in the same year earlier, Tim Rice, both of who made their name in Rocky Horror. Horror yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, on On nineteenth of October, Philip Pullman, the author.
4: Yeah, Be that old.
2: Maybe. Yeah. On the second of November, Alan Jones, the uh, Australian uh, Formula One racer. On the 20th of December, John Bertrand, the yachtsman, who uh, won the America's Cup for Australia. And on the 18th of December, Steven Spielberg.
4: Spielberg.
0: Alright, some league news, Kazman. Uh, The ANFC, Australian National Football Council, introduced a second substitute player known as the 20th man. Get out of here. Yes, this meant that a team was now comprised of 18 run-on players and two reserves on the bench. A player could be substituted for any reason not just if he was injured or unable to continue, but once a substituted, once substituted, a player could not return to the field on under any circumstances.
1: Um, this is very similar. Yeah. To our most recent substitution rule experiment, you could say. Oh, with, say. Yeah, with the... <laughs> super sub. That's it, the super sub. <laughs>
0: um, and the 19th, if you're a 19th or 20th man, you only get paid if you go onto the field. Oh, no. So clubs <laughs> are strapped for cash. If they can't afford to... <laughs> like your Fitzroys and your uh, St Kildas, so they're not if forced. If you can't afford, yeah, if you can't mm. afford to, to play a player, you don't send him on. Yeah, oh
1: gosh, which is a bit crap. Come on, all the players chip in at the end of the end of the game. Surely for all that. Yeah, <laughs> um, it, at this meeting as well, the
0: ANFC rejected a joint proposal from New South Wales and Tasmania, who tried to introduce an order off rule for, for bad play.
1: Oh yes, uh, it's still around at the moment, isn't it? No,
0: it gets kicked around all the time. It's never going to happen though. No, no, um, not our game. The other thing the VFL introduced was an under-19s competition. Oh, fantastic. So we've got now the reserves and the under-19s. The other thing is lots of soldiers have come back from the war, so we've got an injection of mature-age veterans Mm. back into a lot of these teams. Mm -hmm. Uh, So what we talk about these days with mature-age players, this Mm. is almost like each club's getting an injection of some mature-age players. Mm -hmm. And we're starting to build back up to... um, you know, what the league was just before the war or in the early forties.
1: Excellent. There you go. go. So we were supporting, supporting the younger kids. Uh, We've got a bit more support for those, those superstar players. Like um, I know Sal is not in North Melbourne anymore, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) he's got some support there. (laughs) Don't worry about that.
0: Um, The VFL also called for grounds to be the same size. Um, and that we, we'll see this later in the season that the MCG, when that gets opened back up, they tried to you know regulate the size of the MCG so it was the same size as other grounds. But that's actually something I quite like about our league, that all the grounds are slightly different and you have to hmm. know how to play different grounds in different ways. I think that's a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. It makes, it makes the sport unique. There's not, there's not a heap of sports in the world no. where the playing area can be different for different... Hmm. I mean, yeah. cricket, obviously,
1: hmm. but... I I, I can't believe how it it is allowed to exist I I can't believe that it's part of it but I'm so glad that it is (laughs) (laughs) Um,
0: There was a few split rounds this year as well, round one was split across uh, Saturday and Easter Monday then we had round eight. They had a victory day celebration, so there were some Monday games in. And then the following nice. week, week, week nine, they had some games on the King's birthday Monday.
1: Oh, fantastic. So split rounds. Good it's time to go around. Yep.
0: In August, West Perth travelled to Melbourne, and they took on a combined Essendon and Richmond team.
1: Would have been fairly good team.
0: Yeah, well... <laughs> The S yes and the Richmond team won, 101 to 76. The team included Jack Dyer, Whopper Lane, Wally Buttsworth, Paleface Morris, LB Panem, and Don Fraser, oh, a, just to name a few. Wow, <laughs> how
1: would you love to see that?
0: Uh, and here's an interesting stat for you. This is the first season where there has been no player named John.
1: <laughs> how on earth, first of all, how on earth did you find that? But very, very interesting because, I mean, how could it have happened? Mm Uh, Yeah, so let's get to the season proper, Kaz. Okay, in 12th place, with no Johns, maybe some Johns, Hawthorne, three wins, 16 losses, and with the percentage of 70.5%. Okay, so uh, captained by uh, Jim Bowen,
2: coached by Jim Shea. Keith Shea. Keith Shea, sorry. Their lead goal kicker was Albert Pryor with 52.
0: Mmm. So yes, as you said, Keith Shea returning the coach in '46, but this time as a non-playing coach, because most of them been captain coach. Yeah. Um, and Jim Bowen, as you said, formerly appointed captain, and they were quite confident after the return of a few players from the war, including Cole Austin, Kevin Curran, and Wally Culpit. Yep. Um, but the opening round, things kind of started really poorly. Didn't quite work out. Lost to Collingwood by 63 points at Glen Ferry. And they had four more defeats, so five in a row, including a 103-point loss to Essendon in round four. Uh, in this game, however, local schoolboys ran a service to uh, to retrieve footballs that were kicked over the fence. Ah! Oh. Made a bit of a, a bit of extra pocket money. Oh, I like nice, that. Michael bit Lincoln of kish. Balls, yeah. Um, fi- they broke their. Uh, they, they finally won a game, which was round six against the Demons. Oh, um, Great. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, unfortunately, though, against North Melbourne in round nine, Cole Austin broke his ankle which ended a promising season. Uh, this was a big loss as he was named best on ground in five of the nine matches they'd played so far, including the one he injured himself, uh, and had gathered nine Brownlow votes to this point. Uh, he finished second in their best and fairest and was a runner to, Elb- to uh, Alec Elberston. Um
2: despite... Who's been their lead goal kicker for the last few years. Yeah.
0: Um, despite the loss, the Hawks actually won this game by 25 points over the Shinboners. However, that was their last real taste of victory. Oh, they had victory one more time this year, which was against Geelong. Uh, and then round 18 was an absolute humiliation by the Bulldogs at Western over which we'll talk about later. Mm, tough yeah. season. Uh, that's their seventh wooden spoon, Kaz, mm. at, at Hawthorne. Mm. So things... You know, when Kazali the, was there, he thought he'd almost gotten to the finals. Yeah. And then
1: back down the bottom. Oh, yes, I
0: see.
2: Which, you know, now we know what they're like. We've it's really just got to really, take this time to yeah, appreciate yeah, Hawthorne
0: being really, really bad.
2: And also, sort of... Um, have seven. respect for the fact of how well they turned it around come the 80s, right? Like or late 70s. 70s, early 80s. Yeah. 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 Mm. yeah,
0: so let's enjoy this time of Hawthorne not getting us yeah, f- because um, yeah, in a few years' time we'll be just talking about Hawthorne all the time. Uh, Hawthorne,
1: Hawthorne. Mm. And in 11th place, you guessed it, St. Kilda <laughs> with four wins, 15 losses, and a percentage of 70%. Uh, captain coached by Alan Hurd, uh, and their lead
2: goal kicker was Sam Loxton with 40. So, after their uh, wooden spoon hung on the wall after their atrocious season last year, they've really turned it around mm. and finished 11. Yes, um, and as we're better than this. <laughs>
0: so this is the third year of their three-year plan as well.
5: Oh, God. Um, and they
0: seem to be back with the, the Saints nickname, the Panthers is not mentioned at all in the papers oh. um, and uh, the Weekly Times refers to them as the Saints as early as so round four. really so. didn't last. We well, still want the
1: painting. We think it's out there.
0: Well, I found something that might have been it, but it hasn't mm. been confirmed yet. We'll, we'll see. Mm. Um, space? So as a result of their poor, very poor 1945 season, President uh, C.R. Minty resigned with Reuben Sackville taking over. He was the owner of a men's clothing store. Oh, yeah. Um, we had Alan Hurd, who was appointed coach, as you said. He beat nine other applicants. Um, and Alan LaFontaine was actually approached uh, to take over as coach, but he declined. Huh. He, uh, he didn't want
2: to... Sully his name. Did, didn't want to move across from the Ds. Mm. Um,
0: Alan Hurd declared when he came that there were too many kick hunters in the team. If you continue to play this brand of football, you'll be again on the bottom of the ladder. Which is...
2: I, li- I like that uh, that sentiment because it's you know, you know it's not playing f- playing for the team it's playing for yourself yeah but uh, obviously didn't work out all that well for them
0: no <laughs> now Kaz I've got one of the best names here I think I've been telling you for a few weeks I've got a good name for you yeah this is um, Saint Kilda yeah Saint Kilda okay you ready for this name yeah Trojan <laughs> Darvaniza. Wow oh, It just rolls off the Trojan tongue Trojan Dalvaniza
1: doesn't. Made his debut for St Killer this year
2: okay, And do we have any history on
1: Trojan? Uh, no Where's he from? It just doesn't seem right to have a baby And then to be thinking about Trojan. <laughs> Trojans <laughs> Yeah <laughs> Well obviously you weren't thinking about Trojans <laughs> um,
0: We've also got debutantes of Keith Rosewarn And Alan Olay Olay And Kevin O'Donnell The father of Simon O'Donnell the cricketer Oh Wow! There okay. you go. So
2: not much competition are you, there.
0: Are you not as impressed with Trojan Davinezza as I am? <laughs> I, can you
2: spell Davinezza for us? D A R V E N I Z A. I'm super. I just don't
1: even know where that's from. Yeah, I've that's amazing. Mm,
2: I like it. And, and
1: like the it first name does not seem to match with the surname. <laughs> no, either, <so laughs> it really it's a doesn't. Complex does it? Situation.
0: Round five was the first first win for the uh, the Saints. Sam Loxton kicked eight goals in a win over Geelong at Cardinia. Round nine, they went to Melbourne and Les, they went down to Melbourne. Melbourne had a, a strong win over St Kilda, uh, and Les Meek of the Saints was suspended for eight weeks for kicking Jack Mueller. Oh, do not touch him! Old eight fingers. Yeah, you can't do that. Um, their next win came in round ten against the Hawks, which was a come-from-behind win despite their poor kicking, kicking ten goals twenty-four. Um, round thirteen was one of the upsets of the year, though. The Saints travelled to Footscray to take on the equal top of the ladder Bulldogs. Um, and they took some interesting tactics. So It was a blustery game, very windy. Um, so when the Saints were kicking with the wind, sorry, when they were kicking against the wind, they employed a flood. They crowded the Bulldogs' play. Um, they just didn't give them any space. And when they were kicking with the wind, they played an open game with lots of space. And they held on to win this game by five points. Mm. So this might be one of the very early um, uses of the flood. Yeah. Very, Sounds very tactical like it. there from
1: Alan Hurd. Yeah, so we've been talking about this... Oh,
0: non-stop, it seems, lately. Flooding, oh, yeah. Yeah, mm. blight on the game. Um, the Saints' final win would come in round 16 against Geelong again. Um, the Saints seemed to really have the wood over Geelong when they play at Junction Oval. Uh, the game was dominated by Geelong early, but uh, 18 goals to six after half halftime sealed the deal for St. Kilda. Keith rose kicking six for St. Kilda. Now, in round 17, uh, St. Kilda suffered a 15-point loss to Carlton, but this would be Keith Miller's very last game. As he was to leave to for America to be married he'd fallen in, in love with uh, Miss Margaret Wagner when he was in Boston on RAAF training oh, they were nice. married in two, they were married until 2002 at which time um, they it. divorced so he could marry his long-time mistress maria Chelman <laughs> I thought there was going they to were be married right for master. 60 years yeah but he had a longtime mistress several longtime mistresses apparently so, <laughs> oh, really yeah.
1: Well, is an international man of mystery. Oh, I think he is. Like.
0: There's lot, like he's a debonair fighter pilot, footballer, cricketer. Like he goes on to play cricket for Australia as well.
2: Well, okay, there you go. So there's he's there's not quite a story there. there.
0: Mm. Well, we talked when we talked to um, the Changi Brownlow, Roland Perry. Yes, yeah, he's got a book about Keith Miller. as well. Oh, you're
2: right. Yeah. Yeah, Which,
4: yeah, yeah lots he, going on he, there.
1: Yeah, lots going on. In tenth place, Geelong with four wins, fifteen losses. And a percentage of 70.9%.
2: So, uh, captained by Jack Grant, coached by Tommy Quinn, their lead goal kicker was Russ Renfrey with 28.
0: So Tommy Quinn was a a two-time flag hero with the the Black Cats as well, having won in 31 and 37. Um, Debutants. Kaz, can you tell us a little bit about Fred Flanagan?
1: Fred Troubles Flanagan. Ooh, Ooh, I like that nickname. <laughs> Troubles was as close to a perf- perfect centre forward as you can see. Uh, a superb aerialist. He was f- uh, fated for his ability to manoeuvre himself while flying uh, for a mark in such a way as to be facing directly towards goal upon landing. Jeez, that reminds me of Dick, Dick Lee. You know, you sort of used to you'd be out of it anywhere. Yeah, Anywhere, yeah. Uh, quick... Elusive and elegance itself in motion. Fred Flanagan set the standard for centre-half forward play uh, for generations to come. A superb drop kick as well. He could also stab pass with unerring accuracy when required.
0: I'm wondering why his nickname was Troubles.
1: (laughs) Maybe that's something we can uh, report back on in the
0: future, guys. I feel like that is a bit of sarcasm. Maybe, because he was so straight. So good. Now, <laughs> another debutant, and this is another one. I don't know if it rivals Trojan, but his, <laughs> na- his name is Tom Morrow. Tom
1: Morrow. Tom Morrow. <laughs> Tom Morrow. Oh, no. <laughs> Doesn't inspire much. Oh, that's great. Mm. Yeah, I can't shout that really the top of my voice. No, can you can sing it.
0: Yeah. The sun will come out <laughs> tomorrow.
4: Tom Morrow. <laughs> I love that. Um, round two,
5: that.
0: they had their first win of the season over the Hawks again at Cardinia Park. Uh, Doug Brown with four And Lindsay White with five So Brown and White Combining there For a lighter shade of brown And kicking nine goals <laughs> um, Which was uh, Lindsay White's biggest haul For the season We know he won the, uh, the Leading goal kicker A few years ago They had some issues With their jumpers This year as well So we know in 45 That they had to order new jumpers And use the tokens From their fans To get them In 46 These jumpers um, And look this story Might have happened in 45 I couldn't get a time reference For it But um, they weren't good in wet weather and they got absolutely drenched in a wet weather game oh. um, and they shrunk. Oh, They kidding. got sent to the dry cleaners and they came back shrunk so they had to go back to their old jumpers. Oh.
1: <laughs>
0: <sighs> Round seven during a loss to Collingwood, a spectacular effort from Jeff Marne saw him balance the ball on one hand, turn a somersault, regain his feet, elude an opponent and goal. Stop. Mm. People would have... The Do kids would have been... It.
2: I need to see footage of this. Yeah,
0: well, I mean that's the the hard thing about history is no there's no oh, footage. It's just a newspaper you know, report.
2: I mean we talk about you know how they did those like Toyota classics with the, with our Steve Curry and yeah, stuff. Yeah. That beats all of them. Oh, a
1: hundred percent. Nothing yeah. beats that. Yeah, <laughs> think of how many times you've watched Jack Higgins kick that freaky yeah. goal. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> Around the side of the goalpost yeah. and stuff. Yeah, we, we practiced mm.
1: it in the backyard. A few oh, hundred that's times. outrageous. Yeah. Wow um, Turn a somersault, somersault. Yeah what Sorry, happened Do that's it again amazing. That's oh, okay. amazing
0: um, He balanced the ball On one hand He turned a somersault Regained his feet Recovered the ball eluded an opponent And gold It's basically Starship troops. I can't believe <laughs> it Does that jump over him. Now round 10 Somewhere. Geelong would have Their best win For several years um, against topside Essendon at Kardinia Park, <laughs> they kicked eight goals, six in the first quarter, setting up the win and shocking
1: the dominant b- Bombers. You better call Melbourne the top side. Uh, <laughs>
0: Norm Glenister helping himself to six goals in a thirty-nine point demolition of the top side.
1: Wow! Yeah, <laughs>
2: that's ma- that's massive considering uh, yeah where they were sitting and how they were going mm. at that time as well. Round 19, following the final game of the season, which was a big
0: 43-point win over the finals-bound Bulldogs, Norm Glenister, Percy Hunt, and Russell Renfrey kicked three goals each. Um, in the rooms after this match, a keen supporter by the name of E. Hassler shared a decorated cake amongst the players in the mm.
4: room.
0: However, head trainer E. Davy had to treat Mr. Hassler, who gashed his finger open when cutting the cake.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Come on, guys, you're all going to eat this cake. Oh, I thought
2: you were going to say it was like a massive, like a group bout of gastro
1: <laughs> or something from this no. cake.
0: Um, and this is also the second year in a row where the final game of the season has uh, helped Geelong off the bottom of the ladder. Oh, okay. So if they were on the bottom until they had Ooh. this win and they le- leapfrogged over St. Gilda and Hawthorne. Yeah, because, yeah, yeah.
1: There you go. So it could have been three wooden spoons in a row instead, it was just one. They did well. Good on them. And in ninth place, North Mellon, with eight wins, 11 losses. So jumping ahead of the other three at the bottom of the ladder there. Percentage, 91.2%. Captained by Fred Fairweather,
2: coached by Bob McCaskill. Uh, their lead goal kicker was Sid Dyer with 56. Mm. Best and fairest, Don Condon. Yeah. No relation. No relation. No. But you know, we'll just throw it out there. No.
0: Uh, a good tribute though to the year that he uh, he passed.
2: Yeah, exactly. Well, I like that. Um, not much about except I, I said he heard here in round two, North won its first ever away match against Richmond. Yes, having lost their previous 15 meetings. Mm. So um, early well, on,
0: a debutante for you Kaz. Dick Flynn. Yep. Um, round one, the bonus had 42 shots on goal as they beat the Saints by 59 points to die starting the season well with six. Mm. Um, And as you said, round two, they had their first ever match against Richmond at Punt Road, having lost the last 15. They were three points down going into the last quarter. North then kicked six goals in the last quarter to run out 28-point winners. George Kennedy added six for the uh, Shinboners. Then round four, to continue with some of their form, both George Kennedy and Sid Dyer kicked seven against Geelong. Love it. Mm. Which, I mean, in today's standards, that's that's an absolute bag. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. Back then, yeah, seven. Yeah, yeah. too many goals. Yeah, <laughs> round six, in North Melbourne's loss to Essendon, George Kennedy kicked two goals to bring up twenty-one for the season, but wrenched
2: his knee and would miss the rest of the year. Oh, so he probably would have—he probably would have had the had the uh, the goal kicking for them.
0: Well, there's another player who had a very similar situation happens to him as well. Ah. we'll get to that. Um, round eight against Melbourne North, don't score in the first or third quarters yet still managed to win the game. Sounds about right. As Melbourne can't score goals in the second and fourth. Sounds about right. <laughs> Which means in this game, all goals were scored to the same end. Oh, yeah, i read yeah. about this. Yeah, phenomenal. Um, Melbourne's score of three goals, nine, was the lowest score kicked by any team against North since they joined the league, and Melbourne's lowest score for over 20 years.
2: Mm, great. Good record to beat there. <laughs>
0: Especially against the bloody kangaroo. Oh, yeah, well. yeah, God.
3: <laughs> um, look,
0: North continued to beat the teams they should have, like St Kilda and Fitzroy and Geelong, but they could couldn't get the job done against quality opposition like Collingwood and Richmond yeah um, the biggest scout they probably took was later in the season they beat Carlton in round 16 by 9 points um, mm-hmm. coming from behind and again uh, Sid Dyer with 5 but this would be their last win for the season they lost their last 3 games and uh, it was disappointing considering they yeah. were the finals mm.
2: and and
1: Carlton was
2: was no longer the team they were even the year
1: before no, were they not so, yeah. and they're definitely thereabouts and in a really really tight season they've just been squeezed out a little bit yeah and in 8th place, the Gorillas, Fitzroy, with 9 wins, 10 losses and a percentage of 118.7. Oh, cool. All right, uh, so Fitzroy, uh, captain and coach Fred Hewson, their lead goal kicker,
2: Cla- Claude Curtin. He's back. With 56, he is back. <laughs> yeah. um, also, the great man, Frank Curcio, played his 200th game, the first man to reach 200 yes. in round 2. Uh,
0: first Fitzroy man.
2: First, Yeah, That's sorry, yeah. first man for Fitzroy to reach 200. Yep. Yeah. Um,
0: Debutantes include Stan Vanderslois
2: Like it. Um, Vanderslice? V A N D E R S L U Y S.
0: Vanderslice. Van Sl- oh, I like it. Mm. Um, and Vic Chanter. Kaz, can you tell us a bit about Vic Chanter?
1: Yes, I would love to. Vic Chanter was tough, ruthless, and relentless, caring little. <laughs> Um, if he finished a match with no disposals to his name, as long as his opponent did likewise. Oh, we love we love that on our team, don't we? Chanta actually began his time with Melbourne uh, prior to World War II, but never played a senior game. He did, however, play for the Fuchsia's in 1939 Reserves Premiership side.
0: That's uh, one they let slip there, isn't it, Kaz?
1: Yes. And 1946, moving right along, Vic Chanter resumed his football career, this time with Fitzroy. There we go. Alright, um some sad news at Fitzroy. Pat Hickey passed away,
0: who was one of the I think one of the founding members, or one of the very early I think he played in the 1898, yep. 1899 back-to-back flags. Um, the famous Fitzroy name passed away in 46. Round 1, the Maroons opening round match against Richmond at Brunswick Street Oval was a poor omen for the rest of the season. They were defeated by just four points um, and was one of six that they lost for the year by 10 points or less. Oh so really God. A bad run of luck. Like,
2: that sounds a bit like uh, Bri- the Brisbane of two years ago, remember that? It was like they, they finished, they, they missed the finals, the but, geez, they were just that close, and you always knew they were coming.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Round three, the Gorillas had their first win beating Geelong. Claude Curtin kicking seven. Um, Alan Ruffin, the Baron, kicking four. Norm Johnston with three. Um, 39 scoring shots speaks about their absolute domination in this game. Then round four, another demolition. This time the reigning premiers. Carlton by 62. The uh, Claude Curtin and the Baron with another five. Round eight, we saw Fitzroy playing against Hawthorne. Fitzroy won by 34 points. Um, in this game, an incredible feat saw Fred Houston run the ball all the way from full back to full forward to score a goal.
1: It's so good. Yeah. Out of the handful of times that's happened, uh, it's great to hear about Again, that. we want to see footage of that.
0: Too. Yeah. Mid-season, Fitzroy made a sailing trip to Tasmania, but didn't play any matches.
2: They just sailed.
0: Yeah, they just went on a bit of a team (laughs) bonding. The annual report suggested the highlight of the tour were visits to the Cascade Brewery and then Tattersall's for a lottery draw. (laughs) (laughs) It is a
2: beautiful brewery, though. It is. I've got to say. Once we're allowed to uh, travel again, it a great place to go. Um,
0: They again beat Carlton late in the season with Eddie Hart kicking five. They won four of their last five at missed finals. Um, And, you know... The annual report uh, had some interesting things to say.
1: Yes, our team filled eighth position on the premiership list with a total of nine matches won and ten lost. Um, but with Dame Fortune a little less unkind, at least six of our losses could have been reversed and a place in the final four secured. Lots of honourable losses. Mm. Well, that's it. You
2: think about Even if half of their losses went the other way, they've made the finals.
1: Mm. Yeah, this yeah. tight season. Yeah. Tight. 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 In seventh place, South Melbourne, uh, 10 wins, 9 losses, percentage 106.5%.
4: Uh,
2: so, uh, captained by Jack Graham this year, we've uh, lost, um, who has it been the last few years? Uh, I can't remember his name. Herbie Matthews. Herbie Matthews, Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. so big changes because of all these suspensions and things. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. The effect is definitely being felt. Yeah, in absolutely. Melbourne.
2: And Carlton, who we'll talk about as well. Um, and Still uh, coached by Bull Adams. Their lead goal kicker was Henry Mears with uh, 32. And uh, a famous uh, face returned. He does, we'll get to that in a second. Um, a debutant by the name of Wiley Chambers. Love it. Mm, so Wiley Buzz is not the first Wiley to play. Ah, uh, good.
0: <laughs> um, and they're still playing their home games at Junction Oval. The Lakeside Oval still occupied for parts of this season, or for most of the season. So they. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. Oh, interesting. Um, now, as you said, a big name comes back. That big name being <gasps> Bob Pratt. Yes. Yeah, so apparently, he wanted to come back in '45, but the um, RAAF posted him away from Melbourne. Yeah. So can you imagine, '45? They could have had Laurie Nash and Bob Bob Pratt back in the team. Yeah. I don't know if that would have been a good thing, though, having two old men. <laughs>
2: no. Well, could it yeah. have, have, yeah. have got them there? Could it have got them oh, over the nice. line?
0: Um, and guess what? The opening match, round one, was a rematch of the grand final. Carlton versus South Melbourne. Yeah. In this game, South fell by eight points to Carlton. Uh, Bob Pratt badly injured his yeah. left thigh in the second quarter. So, so he'd, he'd already kicked two he goals He kicked early. two goals in the yeah. air. Um, but he kept playing. He wanted to justify his selection in the team. And he didn't realise how bad the injury was. So he actually did further damage to it by playing out the oh, whole game. Oh, really?
2: Um, and so it was that he never played again. That was the end. So yeah. thirty-three at 33 years old.
0: It's a bit sad. Yeah, that's the way he went out. Yeah, so he mm.
2: played played two years at Coburg, 40 and 41. Yeah. Then, obviously, as you just the said, world. was posted in the RAF for the last three years, then came back and mm. he was he, that was it. A real... Not the fairy tale ending.
0: No, that that so truck think, that hit him. That, just, that was the that yeah, yeah.
2: sort of turned it, didn't it? But that means like I'm just trying to do the maths on that. That's the last five years. So he was 28 when he left. Yeah. like imagine prime of his.
0: Now, round round about this time, after a few games, they signed <laughs> they signed the rover by the name of Harry Mears. He'd actually played the first two games of the season for Collingwood. Uh, he was a rover who was struggling to get a game with the Pies because of their midfield depth. Um, he'd go on to be a superstar player for the uh, Swans this year. Sorry. Mears would poll more Brownlow votes than any other Swans player this year and would lead their goal kicking. So he, he played the first two games for Collingwood. That's,
1: That's, un- incredible. That's incredible.
0: Yeah, um, Their first win was not until round five, beating Hawthorne at Junction Oval by 34 points. The Sporting Globe reporting that South held Hawthorne while the Hawks had the win in the first quarter, and the Hawks could not cope with South's ruck strength. From here, South won four more against Fitzroy, North Melbourne, St Kilda, and Richmond to claw their way from equal bottom to a game out of the four. In round eight, they beat St Kilda convincingly. Um, Max Piggott with four, and also by round out, they round eight they tried seven different full forwards. Mm, Obviously, the loss of uh, Pratt and well Nash from the season before, and then Pratt yeah. leaving a big hole. Um, and it should be pointed out that round. They beat St Kilda there for another another leap in the uh, legs. <laughs> They're
2: really streaking ahead with that. Yeah, well, um, I mean, you you can't replace though either of those two players. No, though, but can surely you? when you get Pratt in like at thirty three, you know he's
0: not going to last long. Oh yeah, you'd probably hope for more than one game, mm. but so to try seven different full forwards. Yeah. Um, so around twelve and thirteen, they played at Carlton and Essendon respectively, and lost both games by a point. Oh. In both games, they had more scoring shots, but couldn't convert. Then round 14, they scored a lowly 4-goal 7 in a loss to the Dogs. Only once in the past 20 years had they scored worse, which was in 1939 against Melbourne. And although they finished with two successive wins, their final round 19 win over St Kilda was labelled as spiritless and mistakes were numerous. Mm. The win did move them to a tally of 11-5 in the Lakeside pennant, but I think they would be disappointed with the way this season has panned out. Yeah. It's not no
1: good. It's not been that long, you know, since they were such a great great team. Mm. Yeah. The wheels wheels have so, fallen off, haven't they? Was
2: there much was there much to be said about the uh the return bout of the uh, bloodbath grand final or not no, really? No, I
0: think because there were so many players missing, both teams were
2: significantly different and also probably yeah, yeah it, just, just, to, just you just leave that in the past, yeah, don't and you? And yeah, the, I mean, and the umpires
0: to... were would have been there right, right on them Oh, you'd think so.
1: Uh, so, which moves us on to the rivals of the bloodbath. In sixth place, Carlton with 11 wins, 8 losses, percentage of 102.1. Uh, Carlton uh, with a uh,
2: captain by Bob Chitty, coach by uh, Perce Bentley. Their lead goal kicker was Ken Baxter with 46. Mm. Uh, yeah, Baxter actually got off to a flyer early in
0: the season. Round one again in that game against South Melbourne. He kicked seven. Oof good way to start. Um, And so we've got Chitty, who's sitting out for, I think, the first eight games. That's right. Um, Rod McLean is acting captain for him, for for the team, while this is happening. Round two, in a close match, Carlton lost by a goal, playing Melbourne. However, an ugly incident occurred during the game in which Carlton kicked a goal, which would have won them the game. But the umpire blew the whistle and awarded the free kick to Melbourne, so the goal was disallowed. An angry Carlton supporter jumped the fence and kicked and punched the goal umpire. (laughs) uh, See, Rodwell. But then an unnamed female spectator jumped the fence and stopped the, the angry one who was doing all the damage and stopped him from doing anything else. Um, although a Carlton, several Carlton fans threw beer bottles at the umpire, which they missed. The police then ran over to... Uh, to, to help out. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the umpires... The fallout from this was the umpires demanding more protection. Yeah, fair enough. But They've done, only, done it a few times. Carlton, we see this at Carlton all the time, whether it's stones or sticks. We're looking at yeah. you, Carlton. They're always throwing stuff They're out. always
2: throwing things. Tanties.
0: Uh, round five. No surprise here. War broke out at Princess Park in the game between Carlton and North Melbourne. Ah. But it was not the usual on-ground brawl. This time, two North Melbourne play- players went into the crowd to settle some imagined scores with the heckling Barrackers. Uh, and there were some dangerous moments before police restored order. Uh, as for the football, uh, Carlton won 81-65. Ken Baxter kicking five. Um, but it was a lacklustre effort from North. But yeah, a niggly affair, brought about to the extent by the gusty wind. Um, and there's no, we don't know what caused the players. Well, we don't know what was said to cause the players no, to, jump, to the jump the race and the attack race. spectators. Can you
2: imagine how scary that'd be? Like, can you imagine what would happen now if that happened? These like, oh, lifetime ban. Yeah. it oh, be, I'm, but it'd be wild to see. It'd be great. Yeah. Because sometimes people stay stuff and they're like, oh, no, just... uh,
0: Eddie McGuire would really have a go at it, and then when a Collingwood player did it, he'd be like, oh,
1: he didn't really. Make yeah, it no, he, it was it was it was yeah. deserved. Yeah. yeah. I'm thinking that they'd probably spill out into the street. How do you get home? They're so close to it. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Uh, round six was
0: a fairly even game for three quarters against St Kilda. Um, Howell and Deacon, however, turned many of the Saints' attacking moves um, into Carlton advances into the forward line. The Saints got on top in the third ter- term with a classy skill and pace. Um, and then they demoralized them in the last quarter. They kicked 11 goals 3 to 2 goals 1. Oof. Round 9, Bob Chitty's back. Yeah. And Freddie Fitzgibbon. Back from serving their suspensions <laughs> as the Blues beat Geelong.
2: How? Who's who's still missing? There was one bloke who got 20, 12 games, wasn't there? Was that, that was like South... Yes. Oh yeah, think, it was. Yeah. Around yep. uh, eleven, he set- ran off with his jumper around his yeah. head. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, and Freddie Fitzgibbon was the one who got suspended and was even playing in the oh, grand that's, final. That's
2: would right, already got four games. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, in the second quarter of the Essendon Carlton match, a man in a brown suit ran from the grandstand Reserved to the centre and attempted to hit Bomber Jack Casson, who was standing on Ray Garby's mark. Casson grabbed the intruder by his waistcoat and the man slipped over. He got up, shook hands with Vic Brown, Carlton's fullback, and ran off. Police constables moved towards the man but made no attempt to arrest him. <laughs> <Come on. laughs> wow, funny! Now round thirteen, Carlton lost to the Demons, and Bob Chitty just—he couldn't help himself. He was reported and suspended again. Of course he was. This time he got four weeks for striking the great Fred Fanning. Yeah,
2: he probably Fred probably did something.
0: Mm. <laughs> um, and their final game was against Collingwood at Princess Park, and in a similar fashion to the forty-five prelim, Collingwood got on top early. They're up by 32 points at one stage. At halftime, Carlton Coach personally swapped his players, uh, Ken Hands and Jim Baird, and Hands became the match winner. Ranging across half-forward or leaping deep to either forward pocket, he provided a reliable marking target and kicked several big majors. Nice. Uh, including the sealer, as the Blues piled on six goals straight in the last term to win by five
2: points. Jeez, that's that's a huge comeback. Mm.
0: Um, and just uh, for your interest, we've been playing the Bob Chitty Blues over the top of... Uh, the, uh, the Carlton
1: section. Oh, nice. Mm. Just missing out on finals. Richmond in fifth place with 11 wins, 8 losses, the same as Carlton, but a percentage of 115.8. Ah, Richmond. So, uh, captain, coached, and best and fairest winner,
2: Jack Dine. Uh Their lead goal kicker was Arthur Mooney with 48.
0: Now, Kaz, we've got two big debutants from Richmond.
1: Okay. Um,
0: Desro and Roy Wright. Um... Which tell us about both of these guys. Who do you want to go first?
1: Well, let's start in that order. We'll start with the centre half back Desro, who represented the Tigers with distinction over a decade. Uh, he originally started his football career with Fairfield, uh, moving over to Coburg in 1945, where he played mainly as a centre half forward. Um, and in 1946, he crossed to Richmond as a centre half as a centre half forward. Um, he was fearless, dashing player who used his strength effectively in marking and physical contests. Um, He had a good turn of speed and was a long kick. I feel like he must have um, played uh, quite a few games there in that era then. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And then the other one was Roy Wright. Roy Wright, a ruckman affectionately known as the Gentle Giant. He had to overcome both illness and disability in order to play league football. As a child who was unable to play football, as he was required to wear leg splints Ooh. due to weak knees. He's a bit man- Gump, isn't it? A oh, big, big, tall rockham with splints. This is, this is Forrest Gump. <laughs> he is. Um, he, he also suffered uh, from r- rheumatic fever. Right us in what that is. Um, as a footballer, Roy was uh, scrupulously fair uh, see, he's had a really tough. So no wonder he's so he's empathetic to his own position, opposition. Which is a good
0: foil to the uh, to. Oh no, Jack Dyer was just, a, a, just tough. <laughs> yeah. it I don't think he was unfair.
1: Yeah, he was fair to a point, and when they yeah. crossed the white line, bang. This um, Roy Wright who's, who's on um, with his only object being the ball um, despite his powerful 16 stow and, and uh, 102 kilogram frame he used his weight fairly in marking and rucking contests mm. Mm. in an era of you know your Bob Chitties um, it's nice to hear about someone like that yeah absolutely
0: <laughs> <laughs> round one was a hard fought four point win over Fitzroy at Brunswick Street Oval Uh, Following this was a loss to North in round two, and then the selectors decided to swing the axe and bring more pace into the team.
2: Always a good idea.
0: And yeah, so if you look at Richmond's start of the season, it was win-loss, win-loss, win. win. Um, Round five, Richmond travelled to Victoria Park to take on the Pies and set up a great win against the enemy. They held the Pies goalless in the first half. Uh, Frank Burke kicked seven goals in just his sixth game, which was no easy feat at Victoria Park either. Uh, The Tigers by 11 goals in the end. Um, Burke actually had a really good start to the season, he kicked 6 against Geelong. In round 8 he kicked another 6 in a loss to the Bombers in a game in which Dyer and Paleface Morris were superb in the packs but couldn't get the Tigers going. Round 8 though, playing against South Melbourne, Frank Burke appeared to injure his knee that would see his season come to an end. At the time of his injury he was leading the goal kicking, having kicked 40 goals in 9 games. Um, In this game, an inaccurate Richmond kicked 15 goals, 20, and went down to the Swans by 14 points. Um, Round 15, in Richmond's close-fought game with the Bulldogs, the Tigers were seven points down, and Jack Dyer was streaming towards an open goal. He kicked the ball, and the bladder burst, slewing away for a behind. Um, Now, there's nothing on Trove I could find about this, but it's reported in several books. Um, Another account of this says that, that Jack Dyer gripped the ball so tight that it burst. Oh, really? He held it up, and a replacement was brought on, and as time expired... Um, in this game, the Tigers kicked twelve goals, twenty-one, and lost the game by goal. That's legendary. Um, also, in this game, I believe there's a there's a bit of an uh, uh, something happens between Mopsy Fraser
1: and a player named Kelly. Mopsy Fraser noticed his opponent uh, named Kelly, although there were no dogs players with that name. Had his gleaming locks pinned down by two ladies' hair clips. You <laughs> must be a Sheila and at the next scrimmage, he grabbed at the mane and tore it away to reveal a gleaming naked cranium. For a minute, I thought I'd scalped him. Then I realised
2: he was just wearing a fantastic wig, but he was no Sheila. Do you think he gave me the works for the rest of that game? (laughs) So good. It reminds me of the Andre Agassi story where he wears a wig for
0: the whole final. Oh, yeah, that, yeah. That's what he's worrying about. Um, So Richmond won their games from around 16 to 18, to three in a row. Uh, round 18, they dominated the game against Carlton at punt Road right over. They had 45 scoring shots but only beat the Blues by 32 points. Um, their inaccuracy, they posted 1 goal 12 in the second quarter, it was all that saved Carlton from humiliation in this game. Heading into the final round, they needed to beat Essendon and hope Melbourne lost to make finals. However, they lost to Essendon by a point, despite Jack Dyer helping to instigate a brawl mm-hmm. that involved players and trainers that had to be broken up by police. Whoa. Uh, therefore, the Tigers missed the finals again, finishing 5th, f- which I guess you could call the ninth of 1946. Exactly yeah. what I was
1: going to say. Yeah. And in 4th place, making it for finals this year, 13 wins, 6 losses and a percentage of 104.8% is Melbourne. Uh, yeah. Captain by Norm Smith,
2: coach by Checker Hughes, lead goals, eight-finger goal, eight, eight Jack, <laughs> Jackie Mueller with, not, not Fred Fanning. With 58, not Fred Fanning. Mm. Although you'd assume next year he's got it in the bag. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Dees, back in the finals. Mm. So, lots of players back with experience
0: here as well from the war. Ted Cordner, Dick Kingston, Wally Locke, Albie Rodder. Um, yeah, Rodder. Yeah, Albie Rodder. Yeah. Even like Mueller can play prop, like more games. Um, they were they were forced to train at Albert Park for the majority of the season because MCG was still occupied. It was still Cat Murphy though, while the troops left. Left. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Forced to train at Albert Park, which had limited dressing room facilities, and meant the group had to be split in two. Yeah. Uh, round one, they had an eight goals to two first quarter, and that was the difference between them and Geelong. Fanning with six, Norm Smith with five, Jack Mueller with three. Despite only managing four behinds in the third quarter, the Demons kicked their highest ever round one score to that point, courtesy of a five-goal final score, final term, kicking 20 goals, seventeen hundred
2: and thirty-seven. So 13 goals in two quarters. Mm. Well, not bad. <laughs>
0: round two, Melbourne upset the reigning Premiers in a close game. In the tenth last few minutes, a Carlton player kicked what looked like the goal, but because the umpire had already played a free kick, it was not paid, and we talked about the yes, we did, that. Yes, we did, we did. Um, Round 4, led by Fred Fanning who kicked 7 goals 7 for the day Melbourne steady to beat South They kicked the first 2 goals of the last quarter but South bounced back with 2 of their own to level the scores but Fred Fanning's 7th goal won that match for them in the end now, following their round eight loss to North, the Demons sat ninth on the ladder. Yeah. Three wins, five losses. Uh, there were two games and a substantial percentage out of the four.
2: So we're talking end of, end of round eight, so it was not quite halfway through the season at this stage. No, but... They're, but they're, well, well down. Their percentage was 80.4. Yeah, not pretty.
0: Not pretty at all. Um, but round 10, they had a win over St. Kilda, which got their season back on track. Yes, it did. Um, they then beat the Tigers in round 11 with Norm Smith kicking six. Round 12 for the second week in a row, the Demons kept the opposition goalless in the final quarter, this time knocking off Collingwood. Fanning and Mueller with three each. Then they had wins over Geelong, Collingwood and Essendon, and that saw them riding a six-game winning streak. Mm -hmm. The Swans broke that streak, but they kept soldiering on. Round 16 against the Bulldogs in one of the matches of the year. Um, To begin with, Norm Smith went against Checker Hughes' wishes. And when he won the toss, he kicked against the wind. Because Norm smith didn't like kicking with the wind. Okay. Because, because he, the last he, quarter. He, because he, he his theory was you've got to get into the game first, and that first quarter you're not going to take advantage of it anyway.
2: Fair enough. Okay. Interesting. Yep. So it's the, a bold he, strategy. Mm. <laughs> so
0: his his side supported his decision to kick against the wind. Um, the sides went goal for goal early in the third before Fitzroy kicked away with six goals to three uh, in that
2: quarter. Oh. Yeah, but that's you'd be sitting there going, this is more than a three-goal win. But Melbourne came home furiously with the win in the last quarter
0: and kicked five goals in the last ten minutes to win comfortably.
2: Yeah, they did. See, so, yeah, I could be a coach. Ernie, <laughs> er-
0: um, so Ernie O'Rourke uh, kicked his four match-winning goals after coming on as the 19th man. Oh, he earned he- his match payment that yeah. day and after, after the game a mounted policeman had to clear the field when they wouldn't leave after the police had already dispersed the brawl I love it round 17 football returned to the MCG for the first time since the 1941 grand final it's back it's back they were playing Hawthorne Melbourne kicked four goals one including three goals to Norm Smith before Hawks could even score a point nice. uh, yet scores were level at half time the Demons looked a bit shaky when they trailed at three quarter time but kicked seven goals seven to three points in the last quarter to deliver the four points. Don Cordner was best on ground, the age noting that he was at, at his best. In the back pocket, he was always steady and when following his knockouts and high markings were features of the game. Round 18 was a four-point win over Fitzroy. In the midst of a crucial last few minutes, Fitzroy's Frank Curcio was felled in a contest and when the ball was kicked back into the Melbourne forward line, Fred Fanning was unable to mark as he was attending to the injured player. Oh, good on him. And then that is what we'd like to hear about. Yeah, that. absolutely. <laughs> needing to win to secure their spot in the finals, the demons beat North in the last round to secure their spot, therefore avoiding the Harry Bully curse. Yeah uh-huh. they, actually, they actually won their final round game to make finals Which Melbourne oh, never do Yeah
2: we, we yeah No we don't You're right
1: But you're winning quite but a But this is so Hang on
2: this is bef- Let's talk about after 64 what we do This is before we had a terrible hoodoo on us True. So
1: you're allowed to add a curse later on yeah, yeah, yeah But they've
0: won 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9 10 of their last 11 games So Did they you are hear riding an absolute tidal wave of Of uh, just form year. Yeah Yeah, yep. yeah.
2: It's like, I mean, the, it's like the 50-year storm in Point Break. That's the size of the wave we're riding. Yeah, almost like
0: Carlton in 45. Yeah.
2: yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, that's not overstating it at all. <laughs> that is good. I'm looking forward uh, to it. I'm going to ride that wave. Yeah. Ride it all the way home. In third place, Footscray with 13 wins and 6 losses. Same as Melbourne. Uh, percentage of 117.8. So,
2: uh, Captain, uh, Coach... Captain and coach Arthur Oliver, uh, and their lead goal kicker was Bill Wood with fifty-two. Mm, Oliver on
0: a figure of fourteen pounds per game, which was quite large. Yeah, absolutely. Back then, um, the club let go of head trainer Jim Cassidy, who had been there for fifty years. With no fifty real, years, no real explanation.
2: Yeah.
0: Maybe he's too old. <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> I so. mean, um, They also had a a new blue on their top, so it was a brighter royal blue. Ooh, lion.
5: Yeah,
2: nice. Probably similar to what we're talking about now. Yeah, I'd say so.
0: Now, round one, Jim Toms came onto the ground as the 20th man and his fresh legs helped the doggies to beat the Bombers, coming from behind to register a two-point win. Toms assisting in one goal and kicking one himself and then a behind to seal the victory. Um, this season would be the Bulldogs' best ever start to a season Yeah
2: Which is, is still still the best
0: ever start Oh, really? Well, I mean day. 9 They won their first nine games
2: Well, that'd be a lot of teams' best ever start, wouldn't it? Winning nine games in a row I mean, at the look, start of
0: Essendon the
2: season I did win, oh, was it, 20? 20, 20 in 2000? Yeah, how many in a row? 20 Was it 20 to start? Was that how late you guys played the Bulldogs? Yeah
0: It was around, either around 20 or around 21 we lost to them so we were on a pretty good winning streak Jeez.
2: Chris Grant <laughs> Yeah, that's never going to get beaten
0: St Kilda almost did oh, yes, St oh, Yeah, St Kilda had beaten Essendon in 2010 <sighs> Yeah, the, yeah it
2: was nine, 2009
0: nine. I was probably yeah. um, They would have Equal it I think But we beat them in that game Yeah good to Preserve our streak mm-hmm. um, Round 5 Ron Grove Had a day out Against the Demons Bagging 10 goals For the Doggies As the team kicked 22 goals 14-146 To beat the Demons By 61 points Huge score Round 6 Against the Pies At Victoria Park They had to withstand A furious Magpie comeback In the final quarter To hold on by 3 points Bill Wood with 6 um, Round 11 Bill Wood again Kicked 7 And win over North Around this time of the year, the club took a trip to the border to play a combined Ovens and Murray team, um, which they won easily, but they came back and they dropped a few games, so maybe the trip didn't do so well to them. No. Um,
2: I would have thought um, that would have actually been quite a challenge. It's a very strong league, the Ovens and yeah, yeah.
0: But yeah, they lost games to Collingwood and Melbourne to see their spot in the four under pressure, whereas it had been all but assured before that. Round 15 against Richmond, Footscray for three quarters played with such dash, cohesion, intelligence and understanding... That the result appeared a foregone conclusion in the final term. However, Richmond began to come back, finishing strongly against a weary Footscray. With only six points separating the teams, with time off being played, pandemonium broke loose amongst Richmond supporters when Fraser, Mopsy Mopsy Fraser here, from a snap, levelled the scores. Footscray, however, came back and, with barely sufficient time left, managed to get the ball to Wood, full forward, who marked twenty-seven meters out just on the bell. Taking his kick with the crowd beginning to swarm onto the arena, he made mo- no mistake to give the Bulldogs a narrow victory.
2: That would be so. Uh, you know, you watch that footage even from, you know, the, the 80s. 80s. Yeah. It, can you think of a more pressure-filled environment than just literally having your fans standing around you right. while yes. you're kicking? Oh, it wouldn't be
0: your fans. It'd be the opposition fans yeah. Right, right? yeah, yeah. one.
2: I think round 18 is the game you're referring
0: to. Yes. With their score. It- um, they demolished Hawthorne at Western Oval. Mm. 50 shots on goal. Yeah. 23 goals, 27, 165 to win by 112 points. Massive. <laughs> um, Alan Collins with nine, Jim Toms and Norm Ware with six each. This is still their biggest win over Hawthorne and is their third biggest win ever, only surpassed in 85 and 2006.
2: But is it they're still their largest score, highest score ever? Um, 165? No. No. What just was up until that point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, then in round 19, they let a golden opportunity slip. They could have finished in the top two and earned the double chance. Oh. But they lost to Geelong, who were on the bottom of the ladder. Um, incredibly, this was the first of many losses at that ground. They would not win at Cardinia again until
2: 1972. Oh, You're kidding. It, it took to 25 years. Yep. Wow. Mm. It's, hard.
1: it's hard to win down there. It certainly is. For Geelong as well, apparently, at this stage. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and in second place, with 13 wins and six losses, same as Footscray and Melbourne, though with a percentage of 125.2.
2: Collingwood, captained by Fons Kine, coached by Jock McHale, their lead goal kicker, Des Fothergill, with 63. The Coleman medalist. Yes.
0: Uh, yeah, so Fons Kine back as captain, as he had been a few seasons beforehand. Um, they also welcome back Ted Ryan, Jack Regan, Jack Pym, and Norm Campbell. We've got a big debutante for Collingwood this year, Kazman. Mm. Um, none other than Bob Rose, who is a
1: name that is synonymous with Collingwood. Tell us a bit about him. My pleasure. Bob Rose always will be regarded as one of the most legendary figures at Victoria Park. Rose was probably the greatest rover of his era and was as tough as he was skillful, Incredibly courageous. Uh, Rose would not tolerate letting a rival player win possession of the ball ahead of him. Mm. Yeah, that sounds good.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's got a brother who starts at some stage soon also. Ah, cool. McHale had been excused for Collingwood's understandable slump during the war years and he still found himself under interrogation as coach. The war was over and the Magpie still hadn't flown a premiership flag for 10 years and the excuses were no longer acceptable. Round one, led by Fonzie Kine, they savaged Hawthorne and won a hard-fought battle against Fitzroy and North and St Kilda in the coming weeks to uh, win their first four games. This led to a confident Collingwood taking on Richmond at Victoria Park. However, a disastrous opening quarter saw them only kick six behinds as Richmond began to run away uh, with this match. They progressed to eight behinds by half time, which saw them trailing heavily. Um, they kicked two goals in the third quarter, but uh, their inaccuracy was not going to help them. They finished with an inglorious 2 goals 16 for the day.
1: Oh! Ouch! Mm. With the pressure mounting, that is not that what is, they needed. No,
0: that's awful. It is. Uh,
1: now, round 6
0: would we'll see another loss. Again, the Pies kicking more behind than Majors, going down by three points this time in round six to Oop. Footscray. Only three points. So, yeah, 9 goals, 15. Oh, God. Round 8, as part of the Victory Day celebrations, a rematch of the 45 preliminary final was in order against Carlton. The Woodsmen attacked their tormentors from the opening bounce, and at quarter time they had scored 7 goals, 5 to Carlton. Okay, points. that's good. That's back good. Into it. Um, and there was no way the Blues would come back from that, so the Magpies won that by 56 points. Now, round 7, they, they had, you know, a f- wins and losses, regulation wins, a few, a few losses here and there. Round 17 would be a mixed day for Collingwood. The positives being that they beat the Doggies by 52 and Bob Rose made his debut. However, in this game, two injuries would affect the Pies for the rest of the season. The first being Des Fothergill. Yes. Oh. Aggravated an old knee injury and his season was over. The other was Bill Toomey, one of their yeah. star young midfielders, uh, who was the best player for the Pies that day. He copped a knee to the thigh that did a lot of damage and kept him hobbled. Um, the players won most games comfortably in the second half of the season but a worrying trend started to show up especially in their losses to Melbourne in round 11 and Carlton in round 19 where the team really fell away in the last quarter and we'll see this in the finals as well Was it called the Collie Wobbles? Not yet (laughs) (laughs) Not yet (laughs) Um, And this is also the season where People in the Collingwood committee really began to
2: question Jock McHale's coaching. Okay. So he'd been there on reputation for a, such a long time. Well, that's it. It can only last so long. I mean, mm. you'd think, how many? So how many? 36 was their last flag. Mm. But how many had he won before that? Uh, seven? seven? Seven
0: as a coach. Seven as a coach. Yeah. Mm. So
2: you can stand on that reputation for a while. Yeah. But he's but, only getting older And I think the argument was They're, get, they're not actually working,
0: getting any closer And he's he's working the players too hard That's why they're falling away late in games
2: mm. Whereas always before he worked them bloody hard But mm. I guess it's, yeah It's a, it's a confidence game It is mm. Mm. Very interesting mm. And that
1: gets us to the top of the table It certainly does And finally Tim, on top In first place, Essendon
0: Yes, Kaz
1: 15 wins, 4 losses uh, so only a few blemishes there and a whopping percentage of 140.7 percent. So, Essendon.
0: Yeah!
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Captain coach by uh, King Richard, Dick Reynolds. Uh, their lead goal kicker, Bill Bridgeman with 66. So, our lead goal kicker for the year, Bill Brittingham, but as I said before, Des Vothergill, the Coleman medalist with mm. 63. So
0: he takes out the Coventry medal.
2: The Coventry medal. Yeah.
0: The yeah. coveted Coventry medal. <laughs> Um, some big debutantes, well, one very notable one, and also Ivan Goodingham. So they've got Birmingham Brim- and Goodingham, <laughs> um, but Jack Jones as well, Charlie. Jack Jones, the great Jack Jones. Mm. Um, we've got a little bit of audio, so we might hear about his debut as well.
4: And then uh, when I got home and spoke to him, my mother, she there's three letters there from football clubs. I said, he'd be writing to me. <laughs> this is about two in the morning. Yeah. One from Williamstown, one from Brunswick and I got one from Eason. Wow. And the ceilings were here where my mother lived was as high as these were. Yeah. I wouldn't reckon I nearly went through the ceilings. <laughs> I still didn't think I'd get a game. Yeah. Amazing. At any rate, uh, I went up there and uh, one of my mates I was at school with and went to the same school in Ascot Vale. And when the first practice match came up, he said, now, they, they wanted to interview me, and, that, and they, they said, don't come up early, you'll, you'll play with all the rats and mice. <laughs> That's the blokes every year to go up there, that have got no chance to get you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm looking at me clock all worn. This is a true story, this one. Look, 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 I've got to go, oh, no, I better wait, I better wait. I went up there, went up and trained with it, played in a game.
3: Yeah.
4: The paper came out on the Monday. Je- uh, recruit Jones Shines. Nice. I said, gee, how easy is this? <laughs> <laughs> I, I did I did play well anyway, anyway. Yeah. We try kept trying and next week I, I went up late and played as they got all the other the blokes are not gonna get in the least. Yeah, we got yeah. rid of them. Got rid of them. And uh, I got the paper on the Monday morning. Jones Science again, <laughs> I got one kick. <laughs> <laughs> the bloke must have been at the pub down the road down yeah. there, yeah. Heston Junction, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I said, how long has this been going on, I said, you know. Anyway, well, I kept and got in the first side, on the list, Yeah. two of us out of a hundred blokes. Wow. And uh, got on the list. Jeez. And then I played eight games. Um. Do you remember your first game? Yeah, For the first game was. And you, I lost foot Footscray. Oh, at Footscray. Yeah, yep. yeah. And I played the first Reynolds, that's when I went to see Reynolds. And I played the first game at Footscray too. There you go. And we both, both of us got beat on that day. Oh, did you? <laughs> yeah. yeah, we got beat. Do you remember the feeling of running out there? Oh, yeah, because all my cousins were there, and they were telling all their mate. I've got about 20 cousins that live in Footscray, my father, my father, uh, it was one of six boys,
0: Yes, so in the opening lot, they had an opening round loss to the Doggies by, I think it was three points in the end. Not not the best way to start a year, but, oh, two points. Um, But the team was young and inexperienced, hadn't played much together. They had a lot of players back from the war. um, So they were just finding their feet, but boy, did they find them quickly. Eight in a row,
2: boys. Mm. Um, Not quite 20. Look, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) Which is also,
0: you know, we we hold that record too. (laughs) It's okay. Um, Look, they beat South by 18 points in round two round three it's just what we do (laughs) in a game against Melbourne saw a feat that Dick Reynolds labelled as the finest he had seen in his 14 years come on bit of foreshadowing for the future the Bombers kicked 10 goals 5 in the opening quarter (laughs) to take a commanding lead that won the game by 56 points wow if that wasn't enough round four we belted the Hawks by 103 Harry Eakwood in only his fourth game kicked 7 and Hachi and uh, Birmingham kicked 5 each that's uh uh, Hutchinson playing in the, as a rover as well. Jeez. Round, following our round six win over North by 40, Cyril Knott of the Sporting Globe
2: said... Essendon are the best side I've seen for a long time. They can play all types of football with equal facility. They have the necessary equipment. Their big men are not available for heavy work only. They're fast, can mark, and mix with the smaller fry in developing a fast, play on brand of football that will beat most teams.
1: Indeed. Unstoppable.
2: Jeez, I wish someone, like, if you heard that about your team, you'd be like, we can, gonna... that's just great. Yeah. Fast, can mark, and mix with the smaller fry. Mm. A fast, play on brand of football. That's what we need to see in 2020, I say. Absolutely, just... it is.
0: Round nine in Essendon's seven goal win over Collingwood, Dick Reynolds took an extraordinary mark, falling over while the ball came down, but still taking the mark in a sitting position. <laughs> <laughs> the one was won by seven goals. Unbelievably, it would be the 11th place Cats who would end the Bombers' eight-game winning streak. Oh, no. But this is only a bump in the road. You think, oh, it's going to be a slump now, but no. I'll come back. <laughs> beat Carlton at home at Windy Hill next week. It's great to see you up and about, Timmy. It is. With the Bombers yeah. trailing and not long left, Dick Reynolds threw himself into everything. Uh, the Bombers kicked four goals, one to nothing in the final few minutes to win by 21 points. Uh, in this game, Billy Hutchinson was equally as important. Round 14 was a loss to, to a resurgent Melbourne, riding that wave, as we talked about. But we only lost by a goal. Jack Jones had a shot at the end of the game to draw. So, sorry, he had a shot at the end of the game, which would have drawn the game. So yeah. he hit
2: the post, which meant it was a
0: five-point
2: win. He didn't do that thing. Have you seen that furfy ad where the guy talks about oh, yeah. kicking the ball the so hard that the bladder goes through the points and the skin goes through the goal, so
0: it's seven mm. points? <laughs> yeah.
4: Classic.
2: <laughs>
0: Uh, In round 17
2: They smashed
0: North Melbourne By 88 points Billy Hutchinson Kicking four Uh, He was one of 11 Goal kickers on this day And this would be Their biggest win over North Until 1985
1: Wow that's still their strength
0: Round 18 A Bill Hutchinson Goal off the ground Gave the Bombers A narrow one point Win over Richmond uh, Seeing us finish On top of the ladder Yeah no matter what Yeah Yeah. And And Keep Richmond out of the finals As well Yeah Lovely (laughs) Mmm Um, so we have the Brownlow Medal back, we do. So let's uh, let's cross to Moz now and hear about uh, the Brownlow medalist for nineteen forty six.
5: The Brownlow down low with Moz. The nineteen forty six Brownlow Medal was won by Donald Cordner of Melbourne Football Club. He won with twenty votes. Coming in second were both Jack Howell of Carlton and Bill Morris of Richmond, both finishing with 19 votes. And then coming in fourth was Carlton's Burt Deakin with 17 votes. Don Cordnott was a doctor during the week and his medical career eventually led him to leave football uh, Cordner played for Melbourne Grammar School as a schoolboy. He then played for Melbourne University Blacks and then for Melbourne Football Club. So he really stuck to his Melbournes throughout his career. He was a ruckman who was also from time to time named in defence and was named back pocket in Melbourne's official team of the century. I have a little excerpt here from Jeff Slattery's book, The Brownlow, a tribute to the greats of Australian football. And I'll read out his uh, two paragraphs on Donald Cordner as he sums him up beautifully. The Cordner family is royalty at the Melbourne Football Club, and Donald Cordner, a doctor of medicine, is one of the game's more articulate winners of the Brownlow Medal. A clever tap ruckman who knew where to get the ball, Cordner was a steady kick on either foot and was a strong mark. He treated umpires with utmost respect, choosing to hold his silence rather than complain about a poor decision. Cordner is one of only seven Brownlow medalists, along with Sid Coventry, Harry Collier, Dick Reynolds, James Hurd, Michael Voss and Chris Judd to captain a premiership side. He was also the first player to receive the Brownlow medal after the award was suspended from 1942 to 45 due to World War II. Cordner played as an amateur throughout his VFL career with Melbourne. During the original publication process of The Brownlow, he made it clear that he retained his amateur status and his involvement in this book was not to affect that in any way. He was 81 years old when he made that request. (laughs) (laughs) So Donald Cordner was born in uh, 1922. He died in 2009. He played for Melbourne from 1941 to 1950. And he, he was twenty-four years old and two hundred and twenty-six days when he won the Brownlow. Um, Don Cordner played in the ruck and, as mentioned, sometimes was placed in defence. Um, he wore number twenty-one on his Guernsey. He won, well, he received twenty votes this season after nineteen games, and he polled in nine of those games. He had fifty-four career votes, one hundred and sixty-six career games. 23
2: career goals. Well, so there you go. A finals. Melbourne man. Yeah. A Melbourne man with it. I did want to say, Don Corden may have won the Brownlow, but he didn't win the Bluey Truscott medal. Who won it that year? Jack Miller. Oh. So he d- hmm. I think he came second in the best and fairest for Melbourne. Yeah, that, that with the Brownlow. It does happen. It I was going to say, yeah. it, ha- it does happen quite a lot. Yeah, Because hmm. different teams are looking for different things. Like yeah, coaches look at different things. Umpires. To umpires. umpires, exactly.
0: Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Right, so Finals. Finals. We've got the first final between Footscray and Melbourne.
2: Footscray and Melbourne, yes. So in front of 61,277 people at the MCG. Finally. Back mm. at the G on the 7th of September. So the Ds formed the
0: Guard of Honour for Brownlow medalist Don Corner pre-game. Um, but Footscray got the jump on Melbourne in this game. And they were the better side early on as they tried to win their first ever VFL final. Mm. It was close throughout with a one-point difference at three-quarter time. Um, Norm Smith actually had a shot on goal on th- after the three-quarter time siren but his kick went out of bounds and was strongly marked by a police constable much <laughs> to the crowd's delight Love that um, after two I mis- reckon cha- that the crowd would still
2: get around oh, that absolutely. Yeah.
0: After two missed chances early in the last quarter Jack Mueller goal to restore Melbourne's lead Footscray retook the lead and held it for the lo- until the last two minutes For much of the quarter the game had been played on the grandstand side of the ground with neither side threatening to score Two minutes into time on, a wounded Oliver of Footscray had a chance to seal the match for the doggies, but failed to score from an easy shot before Fred Fanning hit out. Um, Norms- before a Fred Fanning hit out ended in Norm Smith kicking a goal to drag the margin
2: back to one point. He had a big leap on him, so there he must have been rucking in the forward yeah. line there. Yeah. Jim
0: Mitchell won the ball out of the centre and goal again to put Melbourne in front before O'Rourke and Dockett added goals to seal the match. Yep. Cole McLean was Melbourne's best in a backline where every player was a winner, said The Age. Jack Mueller and Ted Cordner were amongst the best players here. Uh, And this is the Doggies' fourth semi-final loss. In the last yeah. eight years now. So they've got a bit of a monkey on their back that's getting bigger and bigger. Yeah, that, yeah isn't it? Yeah. They can make the finals, but they can't
2: actually win them. Yeah. Mm. They've never won a VFL I mean, final. You'd be, you'd be sitting there as, I mean, Footscray are by far, so far, the most successful of the three new teams. Yeah, yeah. So you'd be happy with that, but you're right. Like, you've got to get over that next hurdle.
1: Yeah. Mm. And they've done all the right things in this game, too. They just can't get it something's... done. I mean,
2: how are you going to beat Melbourne when they're on this run? Mm, exactly. They're a yeah. train. So, yeah, so there you go. So, uh, Footscray 15, 12, 102 to Melbourne 17, 18, 120. You don't hear about scores like that in finals these no, days, do you?
0: No, and they just, as uh, you see in the grand final,
2: they get even bigger. Yeah. So, um, which takes us to the second final Essendon Collingwood uh, in front of 77,370. Crowds so are So, we, we're back to pre war crowds here on the 14th of, of September. Again at the G. Mm. Um, so Collingwood went into this game without
0: Jack Pym, who had uh, the flu. And Bill Toomey, who we know injured himself late in the season, he didn't want to play because he, uh, he thought he wasn't up to it. Yep. But he was talked should... into it by Frank Rafe. And I John don't Wacayle. know if
2: we've mentioned this yet, but we should also say that Jack Regan retired yes. early earlier in the year. So they're missing the the king among full backs. Even though he
0: hasn't been at the club for two years or something. Like He, he left to join... He left at some stage for some war stuff and then some religious stuff. Yes, but then came back he for came this
2: back. year. So they've yeah, been so used to playing without him. Without him, for him. A while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But still, I mean, still a big, a big hole to fill
1: in your team. Mm, I'm just, they'd like him in the finals, yeah. but he's he'd already retired before the finals.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, so yeah, Bill Toomey was injured and didn't want to play, but Frank Ray from Jock McHale talked him into it. Twenty minutes into the game, though, his hamstring hamstring snapped. Oh. Uh, it was a seesawing game in the first half. Uh, Lou Richards absolutely dominated. Um, The Pies built up a strong lead of four goals midway through the third quarter. However, Bill Hutchinson and Whopper Lane came to the fore, bringing the Bombers back into the contest. Yet, in time on, in the last quarter, Collingwood led and looked likely to hold on. As Dick Reynolds missed several shots, Essendon trailed by a point. Jack Casson fired another point just before the siren and scores were level. Um, Actually, Jack Casson left the field believing the Bombers had won by a point, but only to find out they'd... Had a draw. Yes. Only the second draw in the VFL Finals history. Um, in this game, Lou Richards was best on ground in his 100th match with the scores being 100
2: each. Yeah, so Neurology. different hundreds though. So Essendon kicked 14-16, 100. Collingwood 13-22. Uh, Lou Richards and Dick Reynolds also had this exchange after the game. Yeah. Hey, Dick. Wh- what do we do now? Well, we win because uh, in the match we had the last kick. <laughs> um, after the match, Love the crowd it. also Logic. stood up
0: and cheered both teams as they almost staggered from the field. That doesn't Exhausted. happen
2: anymore in, in draws, no, does it? Really? Just disappointed. Uh, <laughs> just disappointed. Which
0: means the week after, we're
2: back for a, for a second semi-final. Second, second semi-final. Yeah, uh, no, second, yeah. Semifinal. yeah. Oh, second semi-final. Second, yeah. second 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 semi-final? You're right. Uh, So one week later, in front of a slightly smaller crowd, this time 64,903, Essendon play Collingwood again. They do. So Jack Pym came in for Collingwood who had recovered
0: from the flu. Uh, In the early stages of the replay, the Pies again looked to have the advantage, with Lou Richards again strong in the middle, Jack Murphy and Jack Pym playing well. However, the Bombers were also playing better than the previous week and weren't as far behind. The Bombers' ruck strength eventually began to wear the Pies down. Um, Three-quarter time scores were again level. Um, with the Bombers... Uh, but actually, no, sorry. I, I will restate that. At the start of the last quarter, the Bombers were trailing by seven. Then the Bombers gave the Pies defence no rest, and when Harry Eakwood kicked a miracle drop kick from an acute angle, and then Hutchinson and Harper scored the Bombers, had worn down the Magpies to win through to the grand final. The final scores
2: being... Uh, Essendon's 10-16-76, beating out Collingwood's 8-9-57. <laughs> So, so well well outplayed.
0: 19 points in the
2: end. Yeah. So
0: we're happy they, we
1: get to replay the game.
2: And a well-deserved week off. Well, I think that was a
0: get-out-of-jail card for and then mm-hmm. there.
2: So Collingwood come back to do it again for the third week in a row, mm. uh, playing against a very well-rested Melbourne at this that stage. The, so they'd
0: played one game in three weeks. Yeah. Uh, so in front of
2: 59,444 people at the G. So happy to be saying that.
4: Yeah. Mm. Uh,
2: Collingwood and Melbourne met. They did. So little did the Pies realise that Mueller was actually
0: probably not going to play this game. He'd pulled a thigh muscle during training on Thursday night. and was only cleared for this match shortly before the first bounce. Oh. He started in the ruck. Mate, as if
2: eight-finger Jack is going to let a thigh keep him out of a game. He
0: started in the ruck, but with an eye to preserving him, he was soon sent forward, and this appeared to be the turn, the key move. Um, I think Fred Fanning also might have started in the ruck in this game. Yeah, okay. Bit of a tactical swing there yeah. by old... Uh,
2: by old Checker, Checker Hughes.
0: Um, Collingwood came out hard early and took a 29-point lead into the second quarter.
2: Uh, mm, but geez. Mueller did his
0: best to keep them in the contest. He kicked four goals in the first half. <laughs> of course he did. Um, from here, Collingwood outpaced their heavier opponents and they held a 23-point lead at the last break before they became tired. So we've talked about this. Collingwood just yes. can't, can't, can't see Can't run out down. of game. Um, O'Rourke happen. got the first goal of the last quarter to reduce the gap before Collingwood hit back, but from there it was all Melbourne. They kicked the next six, including four of Mueller's eight goals in the last 20 minutes. As the D's went on <laughs> we to win by it. 13 points. Best were Mueller, Dockett, Mitchell. So Collingwood yay. were a three-quarter team. Amazing. Yay. So
2: Collingwood's 14-16, 100, Could not come close to Melbourne. 16-17-113. Just to update those stats, that's 13 out of 14 wins of the last 13 wins out of the last 14 games for the D's. Hider wave. <laughs> that wave is huge, but is <laughs> About to crash into it. <laughs>
1: uh,
2: we found so a way to
1: get
2: it done. To the grand final. In the grand final. So Essendon playing against Melbourne at in, the MCG. at the G again. Finally, La- who were the last two teams to play at the MCG in the grand
0: final? Oh, Essendon yeah. and Melbourne. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, also, sorry, I thought, you, I
2: thought you were going to say because uh, we're talking, you know, this year it might move away from the G again. Mm. There's there's chatter about that in 2020. Um,
0: <laughs> also interesting that Melbourne had never lost a grand final. All five grand finals they'd been in, they had won. I so love that. <laughs> I love that. So there are quite a few punters
2: who just I, were like, they can't, they can't lose on the big day. Uh, and <laughs> and there was
0: Dick Reynolds was also a bit sick in the week leading up to grand final, so that might have swayed uh, a few odds punters. in Melbourne's oh, favour. So many. Um, unfortunately, though, well, fortunately for me, <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately for, for us, us. Um, we we are going to chat to the uh, grand final captain, Dick Reynolds. We oh, yeah. are. Um, Spoiler alert! Because Essendon won. <laughs> so, <laughs> let's put up that old way back when machine.
2: Dick, it pains me to say, but welcome back. Uh, we spoke to you a few years ago in '42. It's really lovely to speak to you again, even though you had to beat
1: Melbourne today.
0: Thanks, lads. It's been too long.
1: What a season, Dick. Capped off by a premiership today.
0: Yes, it was well earned, I tell you, but I'm mighty pleased with the whole team. As you should be. The season as a whole was just exceptional. Yes, we had a few ups and downs.
1: Not many downs.
0: Well, a few. Losing the foot in round one, and then having the bottom team beat us in Geelong.
2: Uh, true, but those losses seem to be just aberrations. Uh, your team never seemed to fall into a slump, and you always bounce back from those losses.
0: Yes, that was something we prided ourselves on. I talk about those losses, uh, but they were also some magnificent wins. Tell us, Dick. Well, round three against our opponent today, Melbourne, we kicked ten goals in the first quarter, I believe. Um, I say it was the most impressive term of football I'd ever been a part of at that stage. Um, then there was a thrashing of Hawthorne and some other big wins. We won eight, in the, eight games in a row, you know. We do. Thanks, Dick. Yes, then we had that loss to Geelong, but sometimes I tell you, losses like that can galvanise a team. We took the lesson from that game and knew we had to bounce back against Carlton, a team we never liked to play.
1: Yes, Dick, but if we are correct, you yourself dragged the bombs over the line in the game.
0: Well, (laughs) thanks lads, Look, it was a team effort, but I knew when things were close that Hutchie and I really needed to step up. It was a pleasing effort. Speaking of Bill Hutchinson, this was the first year in which you had real support in the midfield, Um, and it didn't seem like you had to do everything yourself. Uh, Was this a relief to you? It's what we've always been working for. We've had an injection of experience back into the team, so players like Hutchie, Bill Pearson, Keith Rawl, Laurie Dirl, look who else is there, George Hassel, Chris Lambert, Tinker Tonks, they've all helped the team and allowed me to play, you know, sometimes as a mid, sometimes a defender. The team just gels in a way we've not experienced here at Essendon for, for a long time.
2: So the team finished on top and played Collingwood in an incredibly exciting match, only the second draw in VFL Finals history.
0: Yes it was a thriller We were lucky to draw that one to be honest I thought Collingwood were just brilliant that day And and Lou Richards my word He tried everything to win the game for the black and white He was just marvellous Now they were leading convincingly But as has been their way the Magpies seemed to run out of legs And the Bombers just ran all over them Yes well we pride ourselves on being able to run out games As we've done all season Uh, And look we actually could have won that that game Um, Jack Casson had a shot for goal Late uh, and missed And that's the score that was the point that tied the game
1: So you came back the next week and the game was eerily similar. Scores level at three-quarter time, but again you ran over the top of them in the final quarter.
0: Yeah, it was a slog, but we got the win and the week off, which is what we needed. You
1: weren't too well after the
0: game, Dick? No, I wasn't. I had a bit of a bung ankle. Bung? Well, it was infected, but it was never going to stop me from playing.
2: And the team you were playing was not who you expected?
0: Melbourne, yeah. We really expected another match with Collingwood, but Melbourne knocked them off. We felt much more confident going up against the Redlegs.
1: Was this confidence the reason that Melbourne jumped you in the opening quarter?
0: Um, partly. Look, Melbourne have been on a hot streak the whole second half of the season. It didn't surprise us. Uh, that form carried over into the first half today.
1: They had five goals on the board before you could kick one dick.
0: It was impressive, but it didn't sway our determination.
1: The game was hot in the first quarter and you came back uh, into the game to only trail by seven in the break with a total of 15 goals.
0: It was amazing. Both teams threw everything at each other. And the ankle? Held up fine.
1: Your bombers trailed by three at halftime, Dick. But you must have said something to your boys to gear them up for that big third quarter. Can you tell us what you said?
0: Look lads, I'm not gonna give away my coaching secrets, but I can tell you this. I reminded our boys to beat their own opponent support one another, and just to back their judgement.
2: Well, whatever you said to them, Dick, it produced amazing results.
0: Yeah, I'll say. A 64-point lead after that quarter. Look, I'll never forget in my memory being out there today. We were in a mad shopping rush for goals. Um, we were just full of run. Whopper Wop, Lane just kept getting loose. Brittingham kicked his 60th or, you know, some, some ridiculous amount of goals. Uh, And by the end of the quarter, everyone was getting involved in the action. Hutchie, Equid, Uh, look, it was the most fun I've had on the football
1: field for a long time. That really took the sting out of the game, didn't it? Look, it did. The last quarter was a formality. We knew we were going to win.
0: The final score saw the Bombers on 150 points. A
1: a new grand final record.
0: Yes, we actually beat our own record from 1942.
1: And, Dick, can we talk about Whopper Lane?
0: Man of the match, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, that's what we thought too.
0: He just gave a thrilling exhibition of football. His record in Grand Finals is impressive as well. Seven today, six in 42. He's a big game player and just needs to be recognised more for for that sort of role he plays for us. But seriously, the whole team played well today. How could you not? score of 150.
1: Well, Dick, with the team playing this way, no doubt that we'll be talking to you again in the coming years.
0: Take care, Dick. I certainly hope so, lads. Take care, Dick. Will do. (laughs) Go. Um, and just to go through some of the stats from that grand final, Kazman. Uh, goals to Essendon, we've got Whopper Lane with seven, uh, Brittingham with four, Hutchinson and Reynolds with three each, McClure two, Casson, Equid and Rawl with one. For Melbourne, we've got Jack Mueller with six to add to the uh, the eight he kicked in the prelim. Wow. Dullard three, Bellman, Fanning. O'Rourke and Rodder with one each. Hmm. Um, Best for Essendon were Gordon Whopper Lane, Abbott, Ruddle, Lambert, Hutchinson, McClure, and Rawl.
1: I don't hear a Dick Reynolds in there. Uh,
0: No, that's true, isn't it? I mean, Hmm. as as he as he said when we just spoke to him before, it was a whole team effort. Yeah. Um, and it's it's good that this season he the the heat spread a goal kickers. Yeah, and the heat was really taken off him in the midfield he didn't have to do everything anymore. He's got a whole supporting crew of of top quality players now who he can rely on to do other things beautiful now in the reserves we've got North Melbourne winning the reserves premiership beating Richmond by 15 points and North Melbourne also winning the inaugural under 19's premiership beating Carlton by 32 points mm. so in theory good things happening at North Melbourne in, in terms of development and players coming through this yeah. should see them becoming a stronger team in the future and that's what I think so okay Kelly, some oh. retirees yep um one of yours your favorite Bob Chitty? Ah oh, Bob Chitty. No. Um now finishing with two flags, he was a premiership captain in 45. In total Chitty and look he always gets spoken about as you know, a super rough player who mm. got reported all the time. I want to
1: say he went down swinging.
0: Yeah, he look, in total he was suspended for 14 weeks <laughs> uh after seven charges were laid against him in a period between 37 and 46. So it's not Terrible. There's no David rhys Jones or Bongo Lang. He had, he was never suspended for life. Yeah. Um, but he, or I guess it was. In a rough come, era. Yeah, it comes back to the, the bloodbath as well and his role in that. Mm, yeah. um, Jack Regan, the prince of fullbacks, is Ooh. leaving us 196 games mm. for Collingwood and two flags. Mm. Uh, one of Moz's favourites, Keith Miller, 50 games, 42 goals. Keithy. Jim Bowen from Hawks, 130, 131 games, 145 goals. Ted Cordner, ah. Melbourne champion, uh, famous. Now only fifty-two games, so he didn't play a heap. Yeah. One flag. Rod McLean of Carlton, one hundred and twenty-eight games, two flags. Uh, grandfather of Brock McLean. Mm. Brock or Bock?
1: Brock. And uh, check him out on the uh, the other podcast. Should, should we plug the other podcast? What other podcast?
0: Sacked. Oh, is it? oh yeah, he's done that, isn't he? Yeah. Um, Bob Pratt with that that one game he plays. Oh. Uh, taking his final VFL games tally to 158 games, 681 goals. Mm. St Kilda's Reg Garvin, 130 games. South Melbourne's Jack Basher-Williams, 61 games. Basher. Elby uh, Mar- Morrison, Brownlow medalist. Brownlow medalist? 224 games, 369 goals. Elby Morrison of Footscray, 224 games, 369 goals. Uh, Don Belfort. Collingwood and Footscray, 79 games 30 goals. The Don. The Don. And Norm's, Norm Ware, not North Smith Norm Ware of Footscray, who was a Brownlow medalist, 200 games, 220 goals, one Brownlow. Huh,
1: fantastic. What a season to finish on, too.
0: Indeed. a uh, Bit of a rundown now, Kaz, of the season. Yes. So, grand finals, of course, we're Essen then with <laughs> a 63 point win over Melbourne. The Brownlow medalist? That
1: would be Don Cordner, Tim.
0: Melbourne champion. Good to have the Brownlow back, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yes, that's right. Finally back in his rightful place with the Dock. Uh, now uh,
0: we've got the Coleman Medal, leading goal kicker. So if we're playing by Coleman rules, Sal Murray, not Sal Murray, Des Fothergill of Collingwood with sixty-three. Oh, champion! However, we have Bill Brittingham of Essendon who kicked sixty-six goals for the season, including finals. So here on on the on the mm. podcast we call that the uh, the Gordon Coventry Medal. He's mm.
1: he's won the goal kicking. Inclu- if you include finals mm. Mm, They're pretty close But um, yeah, unfortunately the finals They don't That doesn't count
0: Now winning their Seventh wooden spoon Kaz was uh,
1: We've got Hawthorne In twelfth place there yeah, three, seventh, Only seventh three, three wins yeah.
0: uh, Now premiership tallies As of 1946 <laughs> We've got Collingwood with 11 Essendon 8 A Closer 8 Kaz 8 getting, getting there. Uh, Fitzroy 8 Carlton 7 Melbourne 5 Richmond 5, Geelong 3, South Melbourne (laughs) 3. Oh, and uh, highest score. High score for the season, we had Footscray taking out their first Couthard Shield, (laughs) I believe, uh, with a score of 23-27-165, which is also the first time the highest score for the season has been scored at Witten Oval, or Western Oval, as it was back then. Oh, excellent. All right, Kaz. Best name. Here are your options. Okay. Trojan Darvaniza. I, I don't think I need to get Let's up. not pretend
1: that we're good. That's right, Trojan. Um, Thank you. I we'll like you the other, other ones, ones
0: hey? Alan Olay, Tom Morrow, Dick Flynn, Stan <laughs> Vanderslois. <laughs> Wiley Chambers, <laughs> Ivan Goodingham, and Fred Troubles Flanagan.
1: Now we like to shorten things. Troubles. Out. Troubles. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't hear that one. I like that. So he was very reliable. I just kick straight all the time. We Marked in no, no, yeah, His name's Troubles.
2: I love. I just I love Tom Morrow. I think that's one of the. But <laughs> it's not better than Trojan <laughs> either No, it's not.
1: It's not. It's so good. Though. Kaz, okay, give it to Trojan. Of course, of course, <laughs> okay. we give it to Trojan. <laughs> we
0: right. have to. All right, and that brings us to the end of another exciting season
2: of VFL football. It does. Yeah. So, QLads, through 1946, we've done it. Mm. Wars over. We, we got through our 50th year without injury. We did.
0: It's just all <laughs> plain sailing here until the 2020 season. Now, isn't it really? That's it. There's no. There's
2: no real. I mean, there's some expansion that happens, but nothing. Yeah. Nothing sort no. of no no massive spanners in the works, are there? No. Really. Jeez. No. Jeez. What a time. <laughs> What a time to be alive. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, well, geez, what a bit of fun. What a, what a lot of fun we're having. Indeed. I'm just in, just, just loving every minute of it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm very happy that Essendon have won one, you know, after, after all the love that we've been giving to Melbourne recently. Yes. It's nice to well, give a little bit back. Another one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We won 42. No, I know, I know. I'm just saying, you know, we're we're giving it back. We're giving it back. You know, you're catching up. (laughs) Not for long. And then we'll we'll just jump out ahead again, and then it'll come again.
0: What do you mean? We've we've spoken about many Essendon premierships. (laughs) Yeah, not for a while,
2: though. I'm just enjoying the time here. Okay. (laughs) Just up here until I topple. Um, Uh,
0: Yeah. Now, we're going to say goodbye, but we're going to slot in a Big Red's Around the Grounds uh, roundup. Yes. Yes. Which uh, has a special mystery guest this week as well. Oh, fun times. Mm. I wonder oh, who I it so- is. Mm.
3: <laughs> Big Reds local footy roundup for your state and suburban football action, sinking our teeth into grassroots football. G'day, kick team. Welcome to the roundup for the 1946 season of football from around this great country. And in a special version of the Roundup this season, we have a special guest joining me for the Roundup. That special guest is none other than... Hey, it's
0: Tim. <laughs> uh, the special knowledgeable guest is me. Welcome to the Roundup, Tim. Thanks, Smith. It's, it's great to uh, be here doing this with you. We love what you do for our show. Um, and it's, I think it's really important that we acknowledge all the other leagues around Australia. So it's really great that you, know, you, you take pride in doing this and I've seen firsthand in the last two days how you uh, research that and the pride you take in it. So thank you from all of us.
3: Well we all love the history of football Tim and it's good to have you here. <laughs> thank you. What do we got? Uh, well first we take a look uh, at the sandford where in the 67th season of competition Norwood have completed a dominant season by finishing the season winning the club's 20th premiership. Uh, The final game of the year uh, between Norwood Redlegs and the Port Adelaide Football Club recorded the largest fan presence of the season with 53,500 people attending the game at the Adelaide Oval. Nice. The scoring was heavy for Norwood in both the first and last quarters of the game and that damage was just too much for the Port side to come back. And the final scores for the game were 13-14-92 to 9-10-64.
0: So a bit of a fizzer of a grand final.
3: Yeah, it wasn't a great one from all accounts for the fans. Mm. The Ken Farmer Award for the Sandfall leading goal scorer for the season was won by first-time winner Peter Dalwood from Norwood with 70 goals for the season.
0: Now, this is only the second year it's been named Ken Farmer.
3: It is. So Ken Farmer... Is he still playing? No, he's retired now. Yep. Um, the McGarry Weddle winner for the 1946 season was from West Torrens. He was a centerman. His name was Bob Hank, and he was just in his just his third season of Sandful Football. Uh, and this win uh, will be the first of back-to-back medals uh, wow. for Bob Hank. So we'll hear from him again in the 1947 roundup. Mm. Uh, next, Tim, we take a look at the Waffle. Yes. Uh, where they head into the 62nd season of competition, uh, and a season that's dominated by East Fremantle's perfect season. So by the end of the 1946 season, East Fremantle had recorded a record 31 consecutive wins, Tim.
0: Wow. And that's, I mean, two seasons ago, East Perth did the same thing, didn't they?
3: Yeah, they had another successful run. Uh, this, though, must have beat their record because uh, this is this still stands now as a consecutive games winning streak in the waffle.
0: Wow. Now, what was happening with the, uh, the age restrictions and stuff?
3: Yeah, that was uh, still part of the Waffles' uh, planning for the 1946 season, however, the the main, the first, we we're still an open age competition, but they reinstalled the second's competition, Tim. Uh, and the second's competition from the 1946 season was an under 25s competition. Wow. Um, so the only thing back to the season, the only thing that really dampened East Fremantle's season was a, a loss to the touring uh, Collingwood Football Club side uh, 10 days after their grand final win. Uh, The 1946 season also marked a a rapid rise um, in the Waffle where they had a lot of champion players beginning their careers uh, post-war and attendances really uh, started reaching uh, record heights. Um, And due to, I guess, the dominance of these Fremantle and West Perth sides had strong fan followings uh, in the next decade to 15 years, football and Waffle uh, is very strong. Yep. Uh, We spoke a bit about the Seconds. um, The Seconds first disbanded in 1941, so the 1946 season was the re-installment of the Seconds football, being that underage comp, as we mentioned before, Tim. Yeah, nice. Uh, That 1946 grand final was played uh, between East Fremantle and West Perth in front of 21,000 fans at the Subiaco Oval. And a player whose name I couldn't find, but a player missed a chance at goal after the final siren, um, which meant West Perth narrowly uh, missed the chances of drawing the match. Um, instead, they went down by five points to the East Fremantle side. In the grand final. In the grand final. After the siren. After the siren. Wow. So the, the final scores refi- reflect a, a close and tight tussle between the two sides, with East Frem- Fremantle scoring 11 13 79 to West Perth's 10 13 73. So being that player missing that shot after the siren would have been terrible. Mm. Uh, so the win secured uh, East Fremantle's 21st premiership in their history, and currently, 21. Looking, so looking at their history of the waffle, uh, East Fremantle currently hold more than one third of all possible premierships played. That is incredible. Mm. So quite a uh, strong history at to this point for that East Fremantle team. Um, our waffle uh, leading goal kicker for the season was Bernie Naylor from South Fremantle with 131 goals. Is
0: there, uh, a name we. We'll-
3: We'll hear from him. We keep hearing. We'll hear from him for another nine or ten seasons, Tim. Yep. Um, but this is only at the time in 1946, only his second season uh, of waffle football.
0: His first uh, Bernie Naylor medal?
3: Uh, he's, no, that becomes the Bernie Naylor medal. Sorry. Of yes, so it's not, not the moment, though, no. But eventually <laughs> it will. Yep. Um, but uh, So Bernie Naylor played his first season of w- waffle football in 1941 uh, before he had a five year absence due to his war service. Um, and then South Fremantle obviously saw a little promise uh, in Bernie uh, and continued to um, have him on for the 1946 season and were repaid for their... Um for their faith uh, with his 131 goals for that season. In your
0: second season, 131 his goals. His
3: second season, so it far exceeded, from all, all accounts, it far exceeded their expectations of uh, a small forward for that time.
0: Yeah, a small
3: forward. Yeah, it wasn't, a, wasn't an overly tall forward. So um, he was a um, leading forward, not a high marking forward. Wow,
0: 131 mm. goals, that's impressive. Mm.
3: Um, and our Sandover medal for the 1946 season was won by John Lowridge or Luffridge. Uh, however, you pronounce that. Unfortunately, Tim um, from West Perth. Um, after his runner-up season in 1945, um, the sandover medal win capped off a great individual season for Luffridge, uh, who was also named at the Simpson medalist for the 19. His 1946 best on-field performance in the grand final uh, in West Perth's uh, loss. So, in the losing side, he won the uh, second-only um, Simpson medal at that stage. Wow. Uh, let's now look at the VFA, Tim, where uh, they enter their 65th season of competition, yep. and we have a new winner in the VFA. Yep. We have Sandringham securing their first and inaugural premiership the after the Zebras, uh, their first premiership after 17 years in the competition. So they joined the league in 1929, Tim, uh, and had, a, had very little success initially, um, never finishing the finals and not finishing any higher than fifth in any of those 17 seasons. Uh, interestingly, Sandringham Zebras, uh, the VFA side, were formed through a merger between three local amateur clubs. So Black Rock, yep. Sandringham Amateurs, and Hampton Amateurs all came together to form the Sandringham, Zebra- Sandringham Zebras. Uh, and the colours of the Zebras today, being black, gold, and blue, represent each one of those teams. Oh, wow. Mm.
0: Nice.
3: Uh, Sandringham's run home to the grand final wasn't as smooth uh, as, any other, as other teams before them. Um, firstly, the percentage was very poor yeah. at the end of the home, home and away season, and they managed to s- sneak in to equal third spot by only one game. Yep. The first round of the finals, they beat Port Melbourne in a high-scoring game, but were pushed at every change. Mm-hmm. Then in the prelim final, um, they have narrowly beaten the 1945 Premier Williamstown by one point, just to, in, in a high-scoring contest. Yep. And then... In the grand final, so they've really had to grit their teeth through this whole season, Sandringham, but in the grand final, uh, uh, for the grand final in 1946 was Camberwell, yep. and Camberwell had a really dominant season in 1946 uh, and were, were the minor premiers at the end of the season. Um, and in the grand final, Sandringham were behind all day yep. and into the final quarter still um, well and truly behind, but in the final minutes of the game managed to secure a seven-point win Ooh. in, that, in uh, their very first grand final Uh, appearance and a grand final win for the team. Uh, The game was played at the St Kilda Cricket Ground in front of 30,000 fans. Uh, The the day was described as a great day for football. Uh, With The scores for the game being relatively high and the final scores for that game were 14-15-99 to Sandringham and 13-14-92 to Camberwell.
0: Nice
3: one. Very close. Uh, The association's leading goal kicker for the second season in the row Uh, is Ron Todd from Williamstown with 114 goals this season. Oh,
0: wouldn't Collingwood love to have him?
3: They would have loved to have had him on board, yeah. Look, the 1946 season was somewhat of a poor total for Ron Todd after his 188 goals the previous season. Uh, In the second year of the JJ Liston medal for the association's best player, Bill Findlay from Port Melbourne Mm. has won the award. Mm. Uh, It was Bill's first year... Uh, for Port, after, 100, after a 173-game career in the VFL for Footscray and North Melbourne. Yes. Uh, Bill was a rover uh, and who liked to push forward and kick goals. And he was a leading goal kicker for North Melbourne on three occasions, kicking 88. Um, uh, three occasions and kicking 88 goals uh, in the 46 season. Yes. Sorry about that. Mm. Uh, there'll be a little bit more that we will hear from Bill Finlay uh, in the roundup in the 1948 season. Ah, nice. Mm. Um, in the over the VFA, where the Uni Blacks have won four in a row, beating Ormond by nine points. Is it technically four in a row? Uh, technically not four in a row, Tim, having the um, four three years absence due to the Second World War. However, they are consecutive premierships. Regardless, would you agree?
0: <laughs> yeah, I would.
3: Yeah. Uh, we then go head down to Tassie, where a newly formed team, the Sandy Bay Seagulls, have won their first premiership in only their second season in existence. Wow. And finally, this is a bit of a strange one, Tim. Mm-hmm. Um, over in the Heathcote Districts Football League, um, Nosley Football Club resume playing in the league after a twenty-year absence. Mm. Uh, they go up to win the 1946 premiership against. Heathcote North um, before disbanding and not competing in the 1947 season. Huh. So they formed, reformed their side, played one season of football, won the premiership and didn't play again. And
0: that was it. They've never formed since. And they've
3: never reformed since, Tim. Um, they had a small, the, the 1946 season was a small resurgence after the club had an initial stint in the competition between 1924 uh, and 1927. So the Knowsley Football Club (laughs) has played five seasons of football uh, and have attained one premiership in that time. Um, Researching the town a little bit more, Tim, it only has a population of 160 people. So we're not looking at it. Currently
0: in 2020? Currently in
3: 2018, that was, census date. Okay, yeah. And I guess reflective of, you know, 60 years ago, Um, hard to tell what it would have been then. Mm. Uh, And before we wrap up the roundup, Tim, you had something you wanted to
0: add? Yeah, I wanted to join in and, and just give a few winners from around... This great land of ours, as you would say. We'd love to hear them. Uh, the Lawn Dolphins beat Winchelsea Blues, 107-48, uh, to 48 for their first of five in a row. Uh, on King Island, they have a football league. Three teams compete.
3: Which is amazing.
0: Uh, a team called the Grassy Hawks beat the North Bulldogs in both the final and the grand final. So they're still playing the challenge rule down there. It seems they had to win two in a row in, in a three-team competition. <laughs> uh, <coughs> the Alberton Football League was for, was reformed in 1946 we're uh, replacing the former Alberton Football Association with eight teams, uh, and that's one you played in, isn't it? Murphy? I did play in that with Down Philip Boyland. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Uh The premiers in that season were the Foster Tigers, uh, defeating Tura by thirty-two points. Mm. Uh, in Canberra, the Ainsley Tricolours defeated East Lake Demons by thirty-five points. Great win. Over in the goldfields, we've got the Mines Rovers. Uh, breaking through for a premiership Beating Kalgoorlie by 12 points A lot of great players come from that part of the world They do Kangaroo Island Football League and Again, another, I think there's five teams in this one The Kingscote Hounds <laughs> Defeated
3: Penshaw 64-36 <laughs> to 36. You don't hear many teams name the Hounds do No, you? I like it mm.
0: uh, In Queensland, we've got the Kedron Redlegs Defeating Windsor In WA's Mortlock League The Gumarling Blues win back-to-back flags uh, In North... I guess this is in, like, the Broken Hill League. Northern Broken Hill Bulldogs defeat the Central Broken Hill Magpies. And finally, in the Ovens and Murray League, the Wangaratta Magpies defeat the Aubrey Tigers by five points and a bit of a thriller there.
3: Wow, thank you, Tim. Mm.
0: Wonderful facts from around this great country. Um, and, Murph, what we were talking about as well, um, if there's listeners out there who have stories or know of local clubs or things near them from the years we're going through, please feel free to email uh, us... And we can, you know, Murph will talk about that. So
3: We'd love to hear it. Yeah, we, we Tim and I thoroughly enjoy the history of football, as all of you know, uh, and particularly from the regions of the country that we hear little from. There's, mm. all, there's great stories out there, Tim.
0: So many. So uh, hit us up at kick2kickpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, send us an email and we can try and include, if you've got a great story or, you know, premiership or something we might need to make mention of, please let us know.
3: Yeah, a bit of a furfy type story too would be great, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, with that, Tim we might wrap up the 1946 season yep. until next time kick straight. Well, uh, looking forward to, uh,
2: you guys listening in again, uh, for 47, another great year. And, um, please get us out and, and let us, uh, let your mates know about, about this. You know, we're getting into times where you may have now heard of some of these players. Yes, so it's, it's a good time to jump on board. And, go back and listen to a few of a few of the older ones as well check what years your team won yeah. the final and listen to those episodes yeah, it's yeah. always a good time especially Melbourne supporters recently <laughs> yeah. yeah and uh, you know if anyone goes for Fitzroy still just go back and listen to the yeah. early ones it's yeah. go- it was a great time for the man's team <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, but uh, until next time hooru.
5: To find out more about the Kick to Kick team and the sources we use, visit our website www.kicktokickpodcast.com. You can contact us via email at kicktokickpodcast@gmail.com at gmail.com or find us on Twitter and Instagram under at kicktokickpod. Thanks so much for listening.